Hey, hey, Chapeau, uh, you're still here. Uh, tell me I'm not too late. Uh, well, if you wanted to sit in on the show meeting with the host of the show, then yes, you could say that you're a little bit late. You know, I have to say, Chapeau, this must be the first time being on Windex that actually caused me issues. How late am I? Uh, tell me you're just on your lunch break. Uh, I'm sorry to say, Stupendous, but I am actually on my way out. The meeting ended a little while ago. Kiska say, you said you had issues with your medication. How wonder how could wonderful smelling farts cause a delay in your day? Ugh, that's very true, Chapeau. My farts of morning dew and floral musk, now they have been nothing but delightful. But... No, there is something you're not telling me, Stupendous. What happened today? Well, you did say that you had issues with your medication. How about this? I tell you about what happened at the meeting and you can tell me about why you're late. Well, truthfully, Chapeau, I, I was going to tell you whether you wanted to or not. Somebody needs to know why I was late. It's not my fault, it's not. Now, Chapeau, are you familiar with the term shart? Or what a shart is? Well, uh, a shart, I do believe it's the first time I've ever heard of this word. I take it it's, uh, this is where you educate me on what a shart is? Uh, so tell me, Stupendous, what are you saying? You're incredible, Chapeau. It's almost like you have ESPN. Uh, don't you mean, uh, ESP? Oh, you with extra-century perception, Chapeau. Don't be ridiculous. I'm talking about that sports channel you always watch. That's how you know how open I am. Oh, sacre bleu, stupendous. My favorite thing to watch is a French improv group and public access TV. So, tell me something. Oh, a quick question, Chapeau. What exactly is public access TV? Well, a better question is, why did that shirt make you run late today? And what is a shirt? I still don't know what a shirt is. Let me just say what I expected to be a glorious morning fart, Chapeau. It turned out I shot a stink missile out while farting. Uh, guess you say stupendous? Ah, uh, I farted and shit my pants, Chapeau. I, I brought the proof, in case you didn't believe me. Here, look! It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at a week of WWE wrestling. Tonight, we start with the flagship, Monday Night Hurrah! Then, to the NXT Universe with the NXT 2.0. Then travel way across the pond for the NXT UK. And finally, to wrap up the show, we bring to you Friday Night Smackdown. With that all said, it's time to start the show. Maestro, if you please, sing us in. 
and a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling as he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. For the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at, representing the WWE, and live from the Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C., it's Monday Night Raw, air date July 15th. 2022. This episode is The Road to Clash at the Castle. Let's go. Well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome to Season 4 of The Wrestling Show Listener. I'm Lip Hazlywood, and tonight we're going to start our Poffer podcast with a very cynical review slash look back at the latest episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into the meat of the show, first, a quick shout-out to the non-competitors. The foundation of the show, you know. Now, representing the authority figure, it's Adam Pierce. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the scoops they are, Kevin Patrick and Sarah Shriver. And last, but certainly not least, the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, some might even call them the narrators of the show, like moi. They are Corey Graves, Jimmy Smith, and the very jacked, always jacked, Byron Saxton. Now, I've got to say this. Corey Graves is unstoppable in this episode. He's been great this month. He's just uh, took it to another level. He is uh, ruthless, and he is taking charge. He is uh, definitely a highlight of the show. Now, without further kudos, let's get on with the actual show in the ring. Now, we start off with uh, the, our very own Judgment Day. The Judgment Day is, consists of Finn Balor, Damien Priest and Rhea Ripley. Now Rhea in the the mic there, uh, she's talking it up, saying that the Judgment Day run Monday Night Raw. Now I'm not sure when this happened or who they beat to uh, get the status, but clearly they did not beat uh, Roman Reigns or the Usos because the Bloodline run Monday Night Raw and uh, Friday Night Smackdown, regardless of Roman Reigns showing up to work or not. The proof is in the belts, in the pudding. And the uh, Judgment Day, they got no gold. Not no gold at all. The only thing they did is uh, beat up the Mysterios. And I don't think they've got any gold in their future, in their future plans either. I think uh, Rhea Ripley is still uh, not uh, clear to wrestle. So I don't think she's going to be going for gold anytime this year. And I don't think the Judgment Day would be going for gold anytime this year also. I think they're going to have this huge thing because it is uh, Damien Priest calling out he's going to have a match with uh, The Edge in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. That's right, Toronto. A place to stay, a place to go. Ontario, it's right, that's what I say. So apparently, um, according to Damien Priest, Edge hasn't, been in a, hasn't had a, a wrestling match in over a decade. That's over 10 years, people. But we all know that's not true. That's not true because he did make his return a couple years back. And then uh, he had a couple matches since then. 
So it has not been over 10 years, Damien Priest. You are mistaken. And while Damien Priest is being mistaken over that, he, is, he and the Judgment Day are attacked. Are attacked by Angry Poppy. Angry Poppy Bear. That's right. Rey Mysterio. He attacks Finn Balor and Damien Priest. But here's the problem. Finn Balor can't get redemption or revenge if he has too much, I'm a too much classy, I'm a gentleman. A gentleman never fight or punch a lady or a girl. So he, he's not willing to uh, beat up Rhea Ripley. And this is, uh, Rhea Ripley knows this and she takes full advantage. Oh, Roy, you just, just Troy hit me. Just Troy hit me right here in the face. And he doesn't. Ray does not do any of that. And then this word judgment take, takes full control. Now, Ray was attacking with weapons, chairs, and whatnot. But eventually, like I say, Ray gets walloped by the Judgment Day. And then getting set up on the ground there with a chair on his chest and Finn Balor on the top rope with a massive coup de gras squashes Finn Balor. Now, they're looking forward to uh, next week in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. That's right. Where it's going to be a one-on-one match. Damien Priest versus Edge. Now, is this where the feud ends? I'm pretty sure it does not. Edge, I'm pretty sure Edge has uh, foreseen this and uh, has already thought three steps ahead. What's going to happen in Toronto? Who knows? Would there be a, a Canadian faction? The newest brood? Who knows? Who knows? But only time will tell, right? So, speaking of that, we got ourselves a coming up next. It is our Women's Tag Team Tournament Championship Tournament match. That's right. It's because of, uh, we all know, uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi. They, they left. They, re, I guess, uh, relinquished their titles because they no longer want to be competitors in the WWE. So now they have this huge competition. Um, the, on the bracket, the Raw bracket, they already had one match. It was uh, representing the 24-7 players, Tamina and Dana um, Brooke versus Io Sky and Dakota Kai. Dakota, Io beat them, moving on to round two. Now, round one bracket, bracket finishing off the round one bracket is today, and it is Alexa Bliss and Asuka versus Nikki, almost a superhero, and Do Drop. Now, I can say a lot of things about this match. There's a lot of stuff that uh, irritates me. One thing, Asuka, she can, she's a good wrestler, teamed up with Alexa. I think Alexa has stopped wrestling years ago. Um, she's, an, uh, she's a personality, an entertainer. Wrestler, she is not. This might be her last hurrah for uh, uh, any notable championship belt. I'm not sure what Alexa Bliss is these days, what her personality is. She's a rocker, but she's still holding on to uh, um, Lily. Lily is the only thing that's keeping her relevant because uh, she's still selling. If she gets rid of Lily, I don't think Alexa Bliss will have anything left in WWE. It's sad. And now, according to me, that's uh, <laughs> uh, presumptuous. Okay, Alexa, no, I mean, uh, Nikki, almost a superhero, and Dewdrop. They are getting very little respect in WWE. Maybe uh, Vince McMahon had a hand in that, but he's out. Maybe they might turn things around. But right now, um, Nikki Ash and Dutrop are basically uh, the new Lucha House Party. And if you know Lucha House Party, they got no respect. They were just jobbers. They, like Right now, Nikki and Dutrop are jobbers. Last week, I thought this was going to happen. I thought Alexa and Asuka were going to run over Nikki and Dutrop in this match. Now, I was wrong about that, but I was right about uh, one thing. Nikki and Drew Drop are the jobbers. But in this match, joining the match ringside is Bianca Belair, the champion of Raw. That's right. She's got no match. She's got the day off. So she's here um, supporting her team because 
at Clash of the Castle will be a six-woman tag team match, and her tag Bianca's tag team partners are Asuka and Alexa Bliss. Now, like I say, um, this match was a lot of fun. Asuka doing all the heavy lifting, um, and Alexa Bliss taking some spots every now and then. But in the end sequence, it is uh, Dewdrop getting Asuka set up for the uh, Vader bomb, the Vader splash on the corner. Asuka moves and Dewdrop splashes the ground. Now, when Dewdrop hits the Vader bomb, it's no problem at all. She pops up like a fresh like a daisy. But when she misses it, it's like when Dewdrop takes a, uh, a lung blower, she's out. So Asuka regains her, her, regains her uh, you know, equilibrium, gets up there and then super kicks Dewdrop in the face. And then she runs over to her corner, bouncing off the ropes, tagging in at the same time. Alexa Bliss. Now, Asuka comes off the ropes and then with a massive sliding knee to Dewdrop's face, taking out Dewdrop, setting up Alexa Bliss for something special, you would think. Now, this is where I feel that, yeah, this is it. Um, Alexa Bliss has lost her fire. She's lost her fire and she lost her uh, killer instinct, her desire to uh, become anything like uh, a, a active wrestler, to go for the gold. She's just, uh, yeah, it's sad. So, like I say this, this is what happened. Dewdrop is dropped. She's been dropped. And uh, this is where Alexa Bliss can go for her twisted bliss, in quotes, her twisted bliss, or, or to sparkle splash to finish her off. But no, this is where you know that this is it for uh, Alexa Bliss. She's lost her, her, her will. Her, uh, this is it. She just doesn't have the desire anymore. It seems like her the will to fight is gone. So she goes for her new thing. It's the DDT, the Miz-style kick-out DDT. She does that. And she runs away like a scalded dog and tags in Asuka again. Asuka comes in to finish off Dewdrop with her new finishing move. It's, a, it's uh, I guess, a neck scissors and an arm crank on Dewdrop. Now, Nikki, almost a superhero, tried to climb in the ring there. But, obviously, Alexa Bliss runs around there and pulls out... Nikki Ash, and with the craziest move. It was so silly looking. She has this, Alexa Bliss does this fantastic flailing, the flailing arms technique. So she flails her arms around and then Nikki almost a superhero drops like a sack of potatoes. Now in the ring, not too long after, uh, Dew drops her, comes to that finishing move and taps out to the Asuka Lock 2.0, whatever she calls it. But I find it hilarious. Now, we all know that uh, Ronda Rousey did the arm bar on uh, Liv Morgan. And Liv Morgan, you know, positioned herself where um, Ronda Rousey's shoulders were on a canvas and got pinned. Now, here's the thing. Um, Asuka, while doing this finishing move, the leg scissor and the arm crank, Asuka's shoulders herself were also directly pinned onto the mat. And the ref did not make any attempt to look at it or any counting attempt. It was... A sad attempt by the referee. Referee, bad on you. Now, here we go. Um, Asuka, Alexa Bliss, moving on to round two um, to fight Eosky and Dakota Kai. I have mixed feelings about this. I truly think Eosky and Dakota Kai are going to be champions, but this is Alexa Bliss and Asuka's uh, uh, last hurrah, I guess, at championship goal before Alexa Bliss um, sails into the night, into her next career as a uh, musician of some sort. So now, after the match, they celebrate, yay, Asuka, Alexa, and, uh, um, you know, uh, Bianca Belair, and their meet back there by Bailey and her team of uh, 
EO Sky and Dakota Kai. Looking forward to Clash at the Castle, where there will be a six-woman tag there. I'm sure there's enough uh, uh, talented women there to, you know, carry Alexa Bliss during that match. So it's going to be fun. So now with that, we go backstage to an incredible, incredible segment, I think. It's uh, Kevin Patrick talked to uh, Theory and his embarrassing uh, SummerSlam showing. But you know what? Theory is a constant professional. He's great. He, uh, he, uh, he's like a duck. It's uh, water off a duck's back. He is a very confident still. Mm-hmm. And it is cutting in on their interview time. It's Dolph Ziggler doing whatever he can to stay relevant. And staying relevant is tying himself to Theory's coattails. Well, he's trying to talk down to Theory, but Theory, oh my goodness. Theory's mic skills are like Dolph Ziggler doesn't realize how intelligent theory is he's a, you can tell he's his speech you can tell with his talking and his ring ring performance he is the complete package is theory um now theory just undresses Dolph Ziggler with his words it was crazy talking about him saying that uh, he's an over the hill no title having has been that was just hilarious that was hilarious on his own and he talks about uh, the difference between me and you Dolph Ziggler is that I'm not going to be a screw up like you Dolph Ziggler a screw up and, of course, Dolph Ziggler has nothing else to say because he's got nothing to say because he's just going to get buried again. So he just uses his fists. He tries to attack Theory and eventually fight. And then the, uh, I guess, uh, officials take him apart. But a match has been made. It's going to be interesting. A big match for the main event. And now backstage, we got Sarah Schreiber with The Miz and Champa. And what is Champa going to do moving forward after his big, big fat loss against... Uh, Bobby Lashley and not getting that uh, United States Championship gold for uh, handsome Harley Race. But it doesn't matter. Miz got some uh, gifts for uh, himself and his partner, Champa, matching cards, uh, necklaces, mm-hmm. trading cards that Miz made himself. Two of a kind. Now, with that, we got the big tag team. So, uh, Champa missed on his individual gold with the United States Championship, but at least he's got the Miz, and they are color-coordinated, baby! The Miz and Champa are getting ready for a match against, oh my goodness, the newly formed team, uh, formerly representing um, the Hurt Business is Cedric Alexander, and uh, formerly representing the uh, Redemption is Mustafa Ali. Now, this team of Cedric and Mustafa there's a lot of potential there, like individually potential. They have both in, have individual potential, which they have never been uh, accessing as of late. But hopefully as a team, can these two do something? Or will they just be a flash in a pan? This is their first match together. Could it, would it be the last match? Who knows? But this match was fun. Um, Champa doing his best to help Miz out with the... Uh, um, Cedric's with the slam with the Miz and to the end of the ropes and uh, the Miz gets his foot put on the ropes by Champa. Nice teamwork thing there. I got your back. No problem. While I was doing that, of course, now before there was a lot of back and forth. You know, after that, uh, Champa was taken out by Mustafa with a wonderful tope suicida through the top and middle rope. Whammo! Leveling Champa. Now in the ring there, it's uh, Cedric and uh, the Miz going through some pinning rolls, pinning temp- attempts. Uh, Mustafa ended up helping uh, Alexander with the pinning temp attempt. Nice roll up, uh, counter pin, um, counter roll up to uh, Miz's roll up. So there's a lot of roll ups, and uh, well, Miz almost loses, but he kicks out, and then Cedric 
goes and tags out, and he had a long run in that ring there, Cedric. So he rolls out there, and he's had it. And it's Mustafa tries to finish off the Miz. He pushes Miz up against the ropes where he's uh, blind tagged by Champa. Now Miz runs right into Mustafa's big boot to the face. Wham! Knocks Miz down. For sets him up for a, a 450. Mustafa's 450. So Mustafa goes up on top rope and starts his 450. He has no idea that the tag's been made. Miz starts rolling out of the way. While in mid-move, Tommaso Ciampa runs in there with a diving, with a sliding, flying knees, with a flying knees to the face. It was pretty insane. Pretty good uh, timing. Like I say, um, it was uh, Mustafa Ali with a 450. Not even finishing move. Ciampa meets him with the double knees to the face. That's not finishing, though. Tomas Ciampa just sets him up with a fairy tale ending. And that ends it for the team of Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. Mustafa picks up the loss. Ciampa gets a fairy tale ending. Finisher for his team, Miz and Ciampa, looking great. And uh, Miz, a possible bleeding nose at the end of the match. Or was it at work? Who knows? It doesn't matter. So next up, we got ourselves... The shenanigans, the tomfoolery, the foolishness continues. That's right. When I say foolishness, I'm talking about the Ezekiel shtick. The storyline continues. You know, ever since Ezekiel, he's been put out of action by Kevin Owens with the corner, with the uh, uh, pop-up powerbomb onto the apron of the ring. And he's out there into, I guess he's full gear still with the uh, his family photoshopped in there. It's so sad. His entire family, his father, his mother, his brothers, and his uh, nephew? I don't know, but it is. They didn't, double, they didn't just double down on the dumb. They tripled down on the dumb. So now here we go. We got a very own from SmackDown. We have uh, Drew McIntyre in-ring promo in Raw. That's right, Drew McIntyre in Raw. Now, the reason why he's there is he feels that Clash of the Clash... Clash at the castle is done for. He's pretty much done. And he's pretty much won. He's beaten um, Roman Reigns. So he's already put that match behind him pretty much. And he's saying that his future opponents, when he's champion, he's talking about Champa, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins from Raw. That's right. And then he's talking about Karen Cross from SmackDown. Now, of course, it's Kevin Owens really upset about the whole thing. Kevin Owens is Raw. And he's talking about, uh, you know what? Who do you think you are? You pretend to be something you're not. You are delusional. That's right. I like that word delusional. I call a lot of people delusional. Uh, but mostly, you know, it doesn't matter. So, yeah, this gets, ooh, this gets on to the last nerves of uh, Drew McIntyre thinking delusional. Who do you think you're talking to? Don't you know what I've been? I've been myself delusional. Yeah. He gets so angry. This gets a crowd up there. This becomes a main event style match. This, this, the atmosphere just gets thick. It becomes a crazy. <laughs> they build up. It's great. And it didn't take much. This is the, the greatness of Kevin Owens. And this is why the, this is the KO show when it comes down to it. So the match starts. Good. Oh, my goodness. Smackdown versus Raw. And this was a very, very good match. A very good match indeed. But... Not match night. It could have been match night, but there was the ending that caught it. But what happened in the match, Kevin Owens showcased exactly why he's one of the greatest of all time. Not just greatest luchador, but greatest wrestler. I always say uh, Montez Ford is one of the top luchadors in uh, all of wrestling, but Kevin Owens is right up there. People don't know that Kevin Owens is 
uh, a gold star, top of the notch luchador with some am amazing um, top rope moves with an amazing uh, um, a splash off the apron onto the ground. <sighs> Swantons, Santons, just like, just crushing uh, Drew McIntyre. It was just, yeah. But it went both ways, so. Drew McIntyre also had a great match. Uh, um, on top rope, they had an amazing, huge top rope segment uh, situation there, a little uh, fight, where uh, it was white noise given to um, Kevin Owens. But here's the thing about the match. It didn't end properly. It could have been a great, great match, but it's the Usos who come in to attack. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, Drew McIntyre is attacked by both Usos, but eventually Drew McIntyre gets rid of uh, Jay Uso. He's lobbing out the ring, he rolls him out the ring, and then it's uh, uh, Jimmy Uso. It's the other way around, maybe. But regardless, uh, Jay, uh, Jay, uh, Jimmy Uso rolls outside. Jay Uso actually he gets hip tossed over top of the ropes, and he lands in a heap on top of uh, Jimmy. It was crazy. It could have been serious injury time there. As I don't think they were expecting that at all. But they're professional. They know how to bump at the last minute. They, they ride this off. But behind Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens comes back in with the, K, with the KO, the old uh, stunner. Who am I? On to uh, Drew McIntyre. Putting him out once again and saying, you owe me one there. You owe me one. And he leaves Kevin Owens uh, on top of the game again. Saying that, yes, I'm a legitimate competitor challenger to any belt and he truly is this is Kevin Owens show and uh the Usos come in the ring there to finish off Drew McIntyre they try to get Drew with the one and done but they wait too long and Drew McIntyre knocks them both out and it's uh Jimmy Uso gained a massive claymore to the face and uh yeah they don't show the Usos don't show anything they don't show any dominance to Drew McIntyre Drew McIntyre looking at class of the castle looking to win against Roman Reigns, who once again is not there again at the show. Like I say, what does Roman Reigns got? If Roman Reigns is not defending his title at the show, what point is him being there? I mean, the only thing, he says the same thing over and over again. He doesn't think anybody's, uh, he beat everybody, nobody, uh, he'd run through everybody. So he shouldn't be there. So it's ridiculous. Okay, so anyways, anyways, we go into the ring with one of the greats. It is uh, Seth Rollins, the visionary, the revolutionary guy. Um, he's talked about he wants to see uh, that Riddle's got uh, some news he's going to give through uh, his mom's basement. And he wants to be front row seat for this news because he feels the news he's going to get is Riddle retiring from wrestling. But Riddle has some news that's counter that claim. He's actually not in his mom's basement, but actually in the stadium itself. And he wants to beat up some Seth Rollins. So he's out there and they scuffle. Seth Rollins actually... Looks like it could have been a serious injury. Um, Seth Rollins uh, sweeps the legs of Riddle, who was on top of the ring apron at the time, and he falls down in a heap. His back of his head and neck hits the ring apron, the exact same area where Ezekiel was put to the hospital, so to speak, with his storyline with Kevin Owens. And, of course, Seth Rollins tried to finish it off with a curb stomp on the announce table, but he's not successful. Um, Riddle runs um, Seth Rollins out of the arena. Mm -hmm. people cheer for Riddle and later on he meets up with uh, Kevin Patrick and he wants some words with Riddle apparently there's a challenge Riddle wants Seth Rollins at 
That's right. Clash at the castle. A match that should have happened at uh, SummerSlam that did not happen at SummerSlam. Now, apparently going to be at Clash at Castle. I can see Clash at Castle being an amazing, amazing match. Amazing event. Having so many uh, A-quality matches to happen. And speaking of matches, not A-quality, but we got uh, a returning Veer Mahan coming to the ring there. It's been a long time since Veer's been in the ring. And who is he going to be fighting? Why? It's former musician from the darkness. Think on love. That's right. Uh, Bo Keller. That's right. And Bo, even though he's fast and he's sleek, he's uh, scrawny and fast. He tries to outspeed uh, Veer, and he did for the first couple of uh, first uh, couple of seconds. But as soon as Veer got his hands on Bo, it was over with a massive uh, um, move on. Uh, <laughs> It's uh, the Thez Press, a massive Thez Press on uh, Bo. Set Bo up with the, what he calls a million dollar arm with a massive clothesline onto Bo, which set up the finishing move with his, uh, the cerebral clutch. And within seconds, one or a second, he is tapping out. And that ends that match. Within un just, just over two minutes, match was over. Veer with a giant squash. And what did that prove? Nothing. But he beat the singer of the darkness. I think he was the singer. So now we go backstage. It is uh, Sarah Schreiber with Bailey, Yo Sky, and especially Dakota Kai. And he got some questions about her Dakota's first match, a singles match in the main roster tonight. How does she feel? Well, I guess Dakota's got some very high expectations. And speaking of expectations, there's her opponent. She sees her and she walks over to Dana Brooke. The lead, not just uh, a 24-7 player, but the leader of the 24-7 players. Because mm -hmm. um, she's got the uh, belt that holds up her pants. So apparently Dana has got no fear in this match. And Dakota Kai's like, well, you got to fear something. Fear is a good thing. You know, it motivates you. So now here we go. It's going to be uh, quite a match. For the United States Championship, it's representing... And defending the belt is Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles. Now, I always say, now, since Bobby Lashley had beaten Theory for the belt, I say, I'm saying that uh, Bobby Lashley will be a long-term holder of this United States Championship belt. Well over a year, I'm sure. And while he has this, because I'm saying this, because there's no um, future right now, near immediate future for Bobby Lashley getting uh, the World Championship belt. I don't think that's in his future for at least another year or two mm -hmm. so this is going to keep him busy for a long time and, and that's unfortunate for AJ Styles because right now AJ Styles even though I think AJ Styles is one of the best wrestlers in the world one of the greatest minds of wrestling ever um, right now AJ Styles is in limbo he's in limbo right now he's the uh, mid Carter he's not making any serious waves but uh, yeah AJ Styles I'm not sure what's going on with him. it's not not great but he's used exactly what he's supposed to in this match. He makes this match great. This match is um, one of the matches of the night. It was a really great match. Um, AJ Styles definitely doing some great stuff. But, of course, seven minutes in this match. We got some uh, people uh, like a joining, joining ringside. It is, is uh, Miz and Ciampa decides to join ringside. Now, they don't do anything. They want to get, they want, uh, Miz really does not like AJ because AJ's been interfering with his matches, you know, beating up the Miz while uh, he's at ringside. So Miz has a grudge against AJ and he wants uh, the match to continue. And 
of course it does. Eventually, AJ gets tossed out of the ring, and uh, Ciampa takes his time, takes his moment to go on the other side of the ring and gets the attention of both the ref and, that's right, uh, Bobby Lashley. While AJ's on the other side, outside the ring, and uh, apparently, I guess the Miz is supposed to lay some beats on him. But before Miz can do any beats, uh, it is, again, like last week, it's uh, mm -hmm. Dexter Loomis. Who, uh, who, like uh, a fan, a crazed fan, uh, tries to enter the uh, uh, the fighting area and was attacked by security again. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on with this angle, but I guess the uh, uh, the fan eventually becomes wrestler. What is he, the new one, two, three kid? We're gonna, well, we're gonna be here anyways. Might as well fight. I don't know. It's ridiculous. So he gets taken out again. The Miz, watching this, he gets taken out by Bobby Lashley, and then eventually. Um, the Miz and Champa both get ejected by the referee, and this match becomes a one-on-one -on -one again, which was a very good match. It becomes a great match, even though Bobby Lashley gets uh, AJ Styles into the uh, fireman's carry and lawn darts him into the steel post, which I think it should be an automatic disqualification. Hopefully, it will, these moves like that will be once again part of the, uh, um, you know, no holds barred moves. You know. So the end sequence. It was a great match back and forth, a lot of back and forth. Uh, Bobby Lashley, the more stronger opponent, and uh, AJ Styles, the quicker and smarter and more intelligent opponent. Quicker opponent. I can't say more intelligent. Bobby Lashley is not dumb. He's an intelligent man himself. So the end sequence was AJ Styles going for the phenomenal forearm. Bobby Lashley ducks through it, hits the ropes, and then comes through with his very own spear, taking out AJ Styles. Retaining the belt, of course, is... Bobby Lashley, and to continue his journey in mediocrity is AJ Styles. But Bobby Lashley with a big win, retaining, and of course, he's going to retain this belt for a long time. Now moving on to in the ring action, in the ring, representing the 24-7 players, it's Dana Brooke. Now I think Dana Brooke is, is just, he's, she's got good intentions, that's all that's left in Dana Brooke. Her and Alexa Bliss, they checked out a long time ago. They're there because it's a job. You know, but they're not real wrestlers. It, it's just, it's, it's sad. Um, okay, so Dana Brooke versus, that's right. It's Dakota Kai. Now, I'm glad for this. Uh, Dana Brooke had some moves there. It was a very short match. It was like a two and a half minute match, roughly. But eventually, Dakota Kai put Dana Brooke to sleep with her big Dakota Kai, Dakota kick, the face wash kick across the corner, getting a big knocking out. Uh, Dana Brooke with a big victory and yeah that's right moving on it's uh, going on to uh, what's that uh, Clash of the Castle I guess looking good the big victory for their team oh, so now the main event match the main event match it is A-Town Down Theory versus the Over the Hill um, no, title, no title having Dolph Ziggler that's right um, now, I gotta say, this match was a barn burner. Uh, it's shared match of the night with uh, Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles. Um, now, why didn't I think this match was a uh, Cody Rhodes? I think uh, Dolph Ziggler has got the same wrestling style as Cody Rhodes. They're basically interchangeable, Cody and Dolph Ziggler. They're the same person, really. Um, but it is... I mean, it was a back and forth. This was basically... Uh, um, Dolph Ziggler going through all the tropes 
the knee trope in this match as well. You know, it's like, oh, my knee, ho, ho, but that didn't last too long, you know. But here's the thing. whole thing was Dolph Ziggler overcoming great odds because Theory was uh, launching uh, Dolph Ziggler into the corner post many times and taking out his shoulder or his collarbone. But no, it shows that Dolph Ziggler can overcome these pains just like Cody Rhodes. And I thought, oh, no, this is going to be Cody Rhodes. Is Cody uh, Ziggler going to win this match? Oh, it was so sad. After a couple of pinning, uh, you know, attempts and pinning sequences, it is uh, a theory in Dolph Ziggler. Uh, well, I guess uh, theory had the upper hand. She he end up getting, ends up throwing Dolph Ziggler into the uh, well. Dolph Ziggler tried to go for the uh, what's that? Uh, the ass famouser, you know, the leg drop, the standing leg, the leg drop on a standing opponent. But it's a town. Theory catches him and getting him into his finishing move. That's right. A-Town down, baby. And finishing off um, Ziggler. I was very impressed. Um, theory with uh, like over 14 minutes of fighting. It was uh, a barn burner, like I say again. It was a good match. But Theory showcasing why he's, he's one of the best. He, he is legitimately, um, he's got one of the greatest mic skills currently. He's got great um, cardio. And he's quickly becoming my favorite wrestler in uh, the WWE. He is uh, very talented. Um, what's he going to do with the money in bank? I don't know. I don't know. But there's some good future in Austin Theory's future. If that makes any sense. But that ends up with the matches on tonight. Um, Theory getting his great selfie with uh, the dork Ziggler. Now, next week's going to be big because it's going to be. Next week's going to be in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And it's going to be the former member of Judgment Day, Edge versus Damien Priest. I think this is going to be building up to bigger things. Um, I do not think this is going to end their uh, rivalry. Edge, I think it's going to build up. Maybe he's going to have another faction in Toronto. Because he was there promoting it, the match, this week. And then, of course, we're going to have part two of round one. It's going to be Alexa Bliss, Asuka the Grouch versus Io Sky and Dakota Kai. Next week on Raw. So, that wraps it up for another episode of Monday Night Raw. But fear not, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of the NXT 2.0 right after this short break. Farting. We all do it. It's not only a fact of life. It's also a completely normal bodily function. To live is to fart. But I had a dream. A special calling. A call to action. Hi, I'm Cootie Roods, founder and CEO of Wind Express. This All Elite product is for people like me, whom, like many of you out there, I suffer from IFSF. That's insufferably foul-smelling farts. Now, with many years of trials and errors, we discovered that forever suppressing your farts will lead to a quick death after just a few months of gas suppression. We at Wind Express have created a breakthrough order technology patent, Wind X. This technology will alter the perfume of one's farts to any fragrance we supply. Like me, join the millions and say goodbye to the nightmare of farts and say yes to life. Order today and we will include our new fart noise cancellation insert for free. With the fart noise cancellation insert, you can now fart confidently, openly, and anonymously anywhere. Windex must be used on a daily basis. 
the sudden stoppage of Windex after extended use will cause worsening flatulence. The wrestling show, baby. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live uh, from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida, it's the NXT 2.0, air date August 16th, 2022. This episode is uh, Heatwave. Uh, let's go. Well, Bo. Well, Bo. Welcome back, listener. I am the Paisley Wood, and tonight we're about to take a very cynical look back at the latest tapings of the NXT 2.0. Now, this tapings was a very special event because the event was Heatwave. Big matches. But before we dive into the show, a quick shout-out to the non-competitors. Now, a quick note. The NXT has no authority figure to speak of. Now, with that said, first and foremost, the commentating crew. The play-by-play guys, the hosts, and even some call them the narrators. They are Vic Joseph and Wade Barrett. Then, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, she is Mackenzie Mitchell. Now, without further kadoos, let's get on with the show. <coughs> now, the show starts off huge. Now, there are only five matches in this uh, big event. There is no uh, representation of the... Um, Tag, women's Tag Team uh, Championship, um, or the tag teams at all. The, no tag team um, championships were being held in this day, which is uh, tough, is tough. But there were some big matches, though, and some matches that mean a lot. Like our first one is, our is a title match, the North American Championship match. We start off big. It is Carmelo Hayes defending against Giovanni Vinci. Now, I got to say, this was a, a big match. It was a fun match, a big, fun, exciting match. It showed Giovanni Vinci, his domination over this match, his uh, superior high-flying skills. Um, he was just dominating the whole match. Now, Trick Williams did try to help out uh, Carmelo Hayes, his, his boy, and he did help out big time because uh, the end sequence was... Uh, of course, uh, Giovanni with a short arm clothesline onto Carmelo, like putting right out there. And then setting that sets up Carmelo for this, or Giovanni putting Carmelo into a, the mass of his powerbomb, his uh, gotchi powerbomb, like the super powerbomb, really. So he gets him up there, and Trick Williams goes inside the ring, gets up in the ring, and literally goes into the ring itself. Giovanni throws uh, Carmelo into Tricky Williams, Tricky Willie, which was helpful because uh, Carmelo did not get any of that. Uh, Tricky took all that move. And then Trick Williams gets put into that very same powerbomb. And then it's successfully thrown into the ground with a big wedgie powerbomb. Tricky Williams is out with the powerbomb. And then it's the Giovanni's like, hey, I get rid of Tricky. Now it's time to get rid of you. And you meaning Carmelo Hayes. So he puts Carmelo Hayes back into the uh, powerbomb, picks him up, throws him up in the wedgie uh, maneuver. But it's Carmelo Hayes, he reverses this with the, uh, I believe it's called the, uh, I don't know, the Frankensteiner. That's right. And through the legs, it's uh, Giovanni gets uh, bumps over, front bump. And it's uh, Carmelo Hayes sits on top, sits atop 
uh, Giovanni. Now here's uh, where the pin comes in, and this is where it's all wrong. The referee, I don't know what he's thinking, what he's looking at, what's going on, but it's all wrong because Giovanni Vinci, his shoulders were not on the mat. Clearly, they were not. It was not like the match with the Uso, Usos and the Street Profits where Montez Ford, his shoulder was, was rolled. This is clearly not even on the mat because I say that because uh, there's, you may not be able to see it <clears throat> because it's a podcast. But when he rolled up, um, Giovanni's shoulders were on top of Carmelo Hayes' leg. So Carmelo Hayes' leg was um, on the bottom. So yeah, so that stopped the pin completely. So the ref goes one, two, three, through the entire thing. You can totally tell when uh, um, <clears throat> Carmelo rolled off of Giovanni. You can see how badly Giovanni was not even on the mat at all. His shoulders, both of his shoulders weren't even on the mat. Well, maybe one a little bit, but the other one was clearly off. His head to his shoulder was clearly on top of the leg of Carmelo Hayes. So that was not a pin at all. I say Giovanni, Giovanni Vinci has a good uh, a gripe. You can follow in on this, I think, uh, for sure. If there's anything, they're going to see this as, yeah, yeah, this wasn't really a pin, and let's uh, redo this match. I can see part two coming up, and it's going to be a barn burner. Epic match. This match was good. Next match would be great, I'm sure. No, this match was really good. Except for the finish. I didn't like it at all. So, knowing he got away with murder, Carmelo Hayes walking away with his championship belt. Defending and reigning and defending. That's right. North American champion. Now we go to a little segment, a little bit of a, a squirmish, a little bit of, you know, they got to have a... Um, a talking, you know, a, conve- a convection, a convection oven, um, convention. It is the Diamond Mine, Roderick Strong, Damon Kemp, Brutus, and Julius Creed. Um, talking about, uh, well, Julius Creed was looking through some uh, footage, and he's got some concerns that he needs to address the entire public into the ring. So he got the entire crew there into the uh, uh, NXT 2.0 ring, and he had to, I guess, uh, share this information he has. Apparently, he feels that somebody, somebody is uh, trying to destroy Diamond Mine. And right off the bat, he points, and it's you, Roderick Strong. You are destroying a Rod Diamond Mine. You, you. So he did, and he shows the footage he was looking at. He was uh, looking at this footage. And it shows you how badly uh, Di- uh, the Creed Brothers actually look at footage. It, they're really not looking at it properly. Because the footage is this, the tag team match where they could have won the gold. You know, the, uh, um, the, you know, the Creed, uh, the, uh, I, I don't know, the D'Angelo brothers, the D'Angelo family. So Tony D'Angelo was going for the big, uh, I don't know, he's, he's in the corner there and he, he taps the ground there, he taps the ground a little bit and I guess it's like, oh, that's it. He's much, he's, uh, uh, giving a telltale sign to Roderick Strong to do something. And this, sure, maybe. So this sequence after that was, uh, one, I believe, uh, Julius Creed holding back, uh, um, Tony D'Angelo holding back so then Roderick Strong can strike with a big, his knee strike, his flying knee. So Roderick Strong goes to the knee, but Tony D'Angelo escapes the hold. And then uh, Roderick Strong finishes the knee. He, he's just, he's going through knee, so he finished it off with uh, hitting uh, Julius Creed, I believe. And Julius said, yeah, that's it. So how is this uh, in cohesion? Did Roderick Strong expect you to let go of uh, Tony D'Angelo? So it seems like uh, this was completely misread by the Creed brothers, of course. And while they're arguing, Roderick Strong's like, what, what, what are you talking about? 
I picked you guys to be part of Diamond Mine. You know, you, you mean, without me, you wouldn't be here. So why would I be doing this? Come on now. Come on now. Use your brains here, kids. Use your brains. And while you're talking to Diamond Mine, Diamond Mine's all in there. They're all arguing. And then they're attacked from behind while they're all in their own world. They're attacked by the coming in from the angsty UK. It's uh, Gallus, the Gallus boys, uh, Mark and Joe Coffey and Wolfgang. That's right. Three more people who's going to NXT UK. What? NXT 2.0. What's happening with NXT UK? We're, I wonder what's going to happen. If they're going to introduce new wrestlers there, it's going to be interesting. Or they, regardless, we'll see what's going to happen with the uh, UK company in no time at all. But as for now, it's Diamond Mine, all of them being attacked by the Gallus boys. So I guess it's not uh, Roderick Strong is a bad guy. He's just uh, been misread by the Creed brothers, Julius Creed. He's just overthinking things. I do that a lot. I understand. It happens. So here's the thing. Oh my goodness. Now that Gallus is away from NXT UK... Um, I guess, uh, Joe Coffey is, uh, ripping off the basic essence of, uh, my favorite in the NXT UK. It is, uh, Teoman. Teoman is the eye. My eyes, the eye sees everything. And of course it's, uh, Joe Coffey ripping off Teoman's gimmick. The eye. Although he didn't say it. He's pointing at the eye. Come on now. Be better than that. Do your own thing. Okay. Teoman is great. Although, last match was pretty terrible. Okay, so nevertheless, we go backstage with the pre-match interview. It's Mackenzie Mitchell talking to Roxanne Perez, talking about Jade, Cora Jaded. Cora Jade. <laughs> and about her taking giant shit on her friendship and entire women's division. And she's basically saying, you made your bed, you lie in it. I'm not sure what that means. Um, a lot of people still love Cora Jade, no matter what shitty things she done. We love you, Cora. You're going to be the next champion. Yeah, when you become champion, can you please also throw that in the garbage? Yes, that'll be cool. Okay, so nevertheless, the match is on. Cora Jade, and with Cora is her stick. That's right, kendo stick. That's right, uh, I believe uh, Cora Jade. Uh, my worst thing I can say about Cora is her, uh, her persona, her, uh, her gimmick is uh, the Karen. It's the Karen personality, you know, the, um, the privileged and the uh, uh, selfish, you know. The delusional, so to speak. That's what I feel. So, Cora Jaded is Karen Jade. That's right. Okay, so who's she fighting, of course, is Roxanne Perez. And this match was, uh, obviously, here's a good thing I can say about Cora Jade. Her wrestling abilities are good. She's a very good, um, entertaining wrestler. She's uh, present, um, and she's, uh, she's very, you know, she goes all out. She, she brings the smoke when she's wrestling. It's very entertaining. And there's not much more I can say about that. Now, this match could have been match of the night. It was a fun match. Could be, it was a really good match. Uh, now, the end sequence was just, okay. Yeah, this is where it falls apart. Core Jade goes to the corner, picks up her kendo stick, like where she nicely puts it. No one grabs it anymore. Or like, oh, what are you doing there? Now, here's the thing. Um, Roxanne Perez could have just taken a kendo sh uh, stick shot. You know, she was just going to get hit in the stomach or upper ch chest, uh, chestal area. She'd taken many kendo sticks before, shots before. No big deal. One extra. What's going to do? But if she took this candlestick shot, she would have won by disqualification. Mm -hmm. But no, this there was this, she swung the stick. Cora Jade swings, she misses. Cora Jade kicks to the stomach. Uh, Cora Jade or uh, 
Roxanne kicks Cora to the stomach. In the stomach, Cora drops the stick. Then it's Roxanne picks up the stick and gonna use it herself against uh, Cora Jade. The referee uh, talks some sense into it. Dude, Roxanne's like, you will lose. I will disqualify you if you use that kendo stick like would have done to Cora Jade. So she doesn't. She like thinks the best thing. So Roxanne looks down and discards the kendo stick onto the ground there. And then she looks up, only get uh, knocked, uh, you know, uh, cheap shotted, blind sh- blindsided by Cora Jade, a shot to the back of the head with her forearm, a forearm shimmy, shimmer, whammo, drops uh, Roxanne. And then, with a DDT, the finishing off, Roxanne Perez, Corje DDTs her head onto the kendo stick, I think it, her head hit the kendo stick, or at least that's what it was supposed to be hitting. So, kendo stick, DDT. Mm-hmm. And then, with the one, two, three, Corje wins. So, so, I guess it's true. You make your bed, Corje, you lie in it. So, you start winning matches. I'm not sure what that means. So, now, we go backstage. We got uh, Mackenzie Mitchell with them denim boys uh <clears throat> with the promo there and uh, it's them denim boys them denim boys being uh josh briggs brooks jensen and their girl fallon henley now before they can get really talking about anything uh they were interrupted by gallus that's right uh it's uh joe coffee or tailmon 2.0 mark coffee and uh wolf king and they're talking about, you got those belts there. You can't, you don't belong with them. You've had been the champions for all but five minutes. And you say, I think it was six minutes. Hello, six. Uh, yep. So regardless, it's going to be a tag team match. I'm not sure which Gallus uh, member is going to be fighting. But uh, next week will be Gallus versus them denim boys. Josh Briggs, Brooks Jensen defending, which should be fun. Because uh, they're talking about Gallus. Gallus. They've gone down to NXT 2.0, but when's the last time Gallus has done anything? I mean, uh, um, that only tells me one thing. If Mark Coffey's here, that means Mark Coffey must have lost the Heritage Cup match to uh, Noam Dar. Twist. Regardless, let's move on. Now we got ourselves a big match. It's the all or nothing match. A street fight. Santos Escobar, and with Santos is uh, the, the Legado del Fantasma, um, Del Toro, Joaquin Wilde, and Electro Lopez, and they're fighting Tony D'Angelo, he's fighting Tony D'Angelo, and with Tony D'Angelo is Channing Stax Lorenzo, now the, the stakes in this match is, if Santos Escobar wins this match, um, Legado del Fantasma, they are free from their contract, to be the, um, to be part of uh, the D'Angelo family, but if Tony D'Angelo wins, that's right. Santos Escobar has to be sent packing away from NXT 2.0, but Legado del Fantasma must stay part of the family. So right now, the street fight means no disqualifications and no countouts. So having uh, Legado by sides helps, and having Stacks by side helps. Um, so this match went big. They went big. They used a lot of chairs. They went all big. It was fun. A lot of fun. A lot of uh, high flying. Um, and a lot of uh, outside interference too. Now here's where it gets really hilarious because uh, Tony D'Antelo is known for his weapon of choice as the uh, crowbar. And we all know a real crowbar in real life, a hit with a crowbar, it's some serious damage. 
That's right. It could probably kill somebody getting hit in the head with a crowbar. <laughs> if you got, yeah, if you got smashed in the head with a crowbar, you're probably going to die. So this tells me that this crowbar is a movie crowbar and it's one of those, uh, it's so ridiculous that props like this are used. So what tells me is uh, outside the ring there, it's uh, Del Toro with the crowbar that uh, I guess Stax Lorenzo was supposed to get for Tony D'Angelo to use in a match, but it was grabbed by um, El Toro. And El Toro with a massive baseball swing, massive baseball swing to the head of Stax. And it was, it was crazy. Right to that, right to the jawline area. And this would just, this, this, if it, this were a real crowbar, this would destroy the face of Stax. No doubt about it. But here's two good quality props. So later on, we got a little thing with uh, Tony D'Angelo running into uh, Lecter Lopez outside the ring there when he tried to charge uh, Santos Escobar. And the crowd was like, oh, you didn't. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, why did you do that? You're going to be paying for that one. But really, really, Santos Escobar had a perfect chance while uh, Tony D'Angelo was like, what did I do? Hey, I did not mean to do that. Well, he's feeling sorry for himself. Santos Escobar could have done an amazing cheap shot, a nice drop kick to his back of his head, something good, something fun and cheap. But no, no, he decides to turn him around, <clears throat> turn Tony D'Angelo around, and face him like a man. And Tony D'Angelo like, is like, "Hey, what you doing?" And then he knees uh, Santos Escobar right in the gonads, right in the balls. And that's right. That's hilarious. It was a ridiculous uh, thing, but regardless, the match moves on. And during the match, they had a um, a situation where. Brass knuckles were being handed to Santos Escobar, but dropped by one side of the ring. And later on, the crowbar, like I was talking about, that should have killed uh, Tony uh, Stax, uh, Stax Lorenzo, I should say, um, gets placed on the other side of the ring. And it's uh, Tony D'Angelo and uh, Santos Escobar fighting in the middle of the ring. And uh, they realize that there's weapons on either side of them. And this is the big finish. It is a big, too good, too... Uh, Two script to be true, finish. It's, they both decide, okay, they're both going to go for the weapon and go for the first shot. And the first shot wins, clearly, because it's going to be a weapon. Uh, Santos Escobar is going to go for his brass knuckles. Tony Dancho is going to go for his, uh, you know, prop crowbar. And they do it. They make a break for it. Then they come back swinging. Tony D'Angelo with the, the lightweight crowbar is much faster. Quacking. Santos Escobar crossed the head with his crowbar. And now, like I say, if this was a real crowbar, Santos' head would be broken in two. But it's a thank goodness for props. And I don't know, that's why I really, really hate props in wrestling because, uh, you know, you want to make it look brutal. So you bring in a, a weapon, but you don't want that weapon to be real because it was real, you kill somebody. You know, it's like those breakaway cinder blocks they used in uh, Lucha Underground. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so regardless... Santos Escobar gets cracked on the head with the crowbar, goes down. Tony D'Angelo gets the one, two, and three. Santos Escobar is now no longer part of the NXT 2.0. Where is he going next? I'm not sure. Perhaps, obviously, he's going to be going SmackDown and Raw. But I think this, uh, with the Tony D'Angelo's family, I think it's going to be Joaquin Wilde and uh, Del Toro. But I truly believe Somehow, Electro Lopez is going to jump ship and join her man, um, 
Santos Escobar into the main roster. I'd like to see that happening because, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot, huge, huge potential in Elektra. And I think she, the main roster needs a person like her, especially SmackDown. Oh, my God, SmackDown needs an Elektra Lopez. So now here we go. It is our uh, women's, women's championship match. Defending the belt is Mandy Rose versus Zoe Starks. Went through a lot with this uh, match. Now, with Mandy Rose's clarity, Toxic Attractions, Gigi Dolan, JC James on her side. And uh, what's that? Mandy Rose uh, doing one thing. She is uh, doing some good ground and pound, some grind wrestling, some punching and kicking, some good uh, uh, bully style. You know, it's not really wrestling, just, uh, you know, Roman Reigns. It is what champions do. I mean, she's not bells and whistles. She's uh, going to beat you up, Mandy Rose. So Mandy was targeting Zoe Starks' knee through the entire match. Um, because Zoe Starks, clearly she's coming back from a knee injury. And she's got the knee clearly braced up. Um, and Mandy Rose is taking full advantage of this. Um, now into the match. The Toxic Attraction did try to cheat. They both grabbed a, they both tripped. Zoe Starks in a match, which the ref caught and kicked, ended up kicking both the... Uh, Gigi and JC out of the match. So this became one-on-one -on -one again, thank goodness. And uh, the help Toxic Attraction get uh, removed from the ringside, it was, uh, you know, uh, Zoe Stark's tag team partner for the women's, obviously, uh, tag team championship tournament. And they are in the... Uh, the bracket, the women's bracket on the SmackDown side, because SmackDown does not have enough women to fill their own bracket up, so it is Zoe Starks and uh, um, Nikita Lyons going to be filling that up. So Nikita escorts um, JC Jane and Gigi Dolan out of the ring area to the back. So now it's one-on-one. -on -one. Where, of course, Zoe Starks got full, took full advantage of this and eventually got um, Mandy Rose into her finisher, that spinning knee. Now, usually, the spinning knee comes in like the uh, um, go to sleep. Like, uh, it comes down on the face. But this time, the knee comes up right in the gut. Just gives uh, Manny Rose a gut kick, the lung blower with that. Really, pretty much a lung blower. Um, so that didn't help. You know, didn't help uh, Zoe Starks win a match. So the match goes on, and Zoe ends up getting tangled. Her leg, that bad leg, gets tangled into the ropes. Stuck there, being tortured. And Mandy took the time to uh, start unstrapping the knee brace from uh, Zoe Starks' leg. So they eventually get the match in the ring there. Um, so this is pretty much over, I think, in my mind. It's already over. Zoe Starks has lost the match. Her sure knee, she can't barely walk anymore. And Mandy Rose takes full advantage and gives her the flying knee to the head, which I think should have really ended the match there. But it didn't. Zoe Starks kicks it out. And Manny Rose takes off the knee brace off Zoe Starks. Now, this is just ridiculous. It's a regular match. It's a regular match, this is. So, this is why I say this. Manny Rose takes that knee brace and puts it on her own leg. Now, usually when they have like a knee brace, arm brace, uh, and it's used it against somebody else, like I remember UK doing that, then uh, it's used it's a disqualification. It's a foreign object. So, Manny Rose is basically using a foreign object in this match. So... She uses a foreign object to uh, give Zoe Stark a knee lift in the face. Mm -hmm. So this should have been a disqualification right there. 
Um, but Manny Rose would have still retain the title. You can't uh, lose a title on disqualification. And of course, there's a, a specialty match. But yeah, it is uh, Manny Rose with the knee lift. She should have been disqualified with that move. Straight up. It's a, it's a foreign object to her. She did not wear that before coming into the ring. If Mandy Rose had a knee brace on coming into the ring, it would be a technicality. They would have seen past him. But it is not Mandy Rose's knee brace. It is a foreign object. It is disqualifiable. But the referee is an idiot. And he counts the pin. Mandy Rose at least with a very, very uh, convincing pin on uh, Zoe Starks. Now, Mandy Rose, she really is a great champion. I, 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 I'm on uh, her ass a lot of times, you know, um, criticizing her, saying, oh, she only knows four moves. But you know what? When it comes down to it, all the great champions, Hulk Hogan, how many moves did he have? You know, John Cena, how many moves did he have? I mean, there's so many. Roman Reigns, really, when it comes down to it, how many moves does he have? You know, um, Brock Lesnar, really. He's got the suplex. He's got the beaten ups. But when it comes down to it, you know, they're, all the top guys don't have, aren't luchadors, you know. They're not all collegiate, although some of them were, but most, most of them weren't. But regardless, Mandy Rose gets a big pin, and I think Mandy Rose is a, a great representation of the championship in the NXT universe. Actually, just a great women's representation as a champion, period. So now here we go backstage. It is uh, our very own Mackenzie Mitchell with a very uh, um, <laughs> reluctant interview. Uh, she did not want to be there. Uh, uh, she was interviewing Grayson Waller. Now, Grayson Waller, he's quite the personality. He's very, uh, very arrogant. He is uh, very loud. He's very proud. He's, uh, he's strong and strong. He's strong in what he does. He's, whatever he says, he just says it with conviction. Now, it's great because he's, he's a very, uh, um, what's that, uh, he's a, he's a chauvinistic pig. He's a male chauvinist. He's a, and very proud of it. And, uh, wow, Mackenzie Mitchell is really not enjoying her time there. But it's all about Grayson Waller talking about next week will be the start of the Grayson Waller talk show, The Grayson Effect, I think it's called. So that should be good. This should be very fun. Grayson Waller knows how to push people's buttons. He's a great talker. And this should be a good thing for the NXT 2.0 going forwards as a uh, time-filling segment. So now here we go. The main event match. It is the for the, the NXT Men's Championship match. Championship belt. It is uh, Braun Breaker defending against J.D. McDonough. It is Braun, literal, literally Braun versus the Brains. But... Uh, and usually Braun wins as of these days of Brian uh, Beast. Braun Breaker, he is a collegiate athlete. He's an amateur wrestler. He is a power powerhouse and he knows how to wrestle. So that is a, like, that is a, a, a huge thing for a champion, especially Braun Breaker. I mean, this makes him almost unstoppable. And he did really good, but this was a great match. Match of the night. This match was match of the night, I gotta say. Uh, JD McDonough uh, taking advantage of the, uh, the ring, giving. Braun Breaker, a neck breaker. Yep. Braun break, neck breaker off the uh, uh, turnbuckle. The thing, the thing that's holding the turnbuckle onto the, uh, you know, post. That's right. So he breaks the neck off there, but, you know, that's, uh, and even throwing Braun Breaker, throwing Braun like Breaker, charging with a giant spear, and he spears himself into the turnbuckle. Um, J.D. McDowell uh, dodges him, throws him into the post. 
Now this match had it all. Braun Breaker coming up with a top move, top rope, uh, uh, Frankensteiner. Now I think I'm going all over with this match. But one thing's clear to say, they both brought their A game. JD McDonough um, definitely brought his game, uh, put some damage onto Braun Breaker. Many times he could have won. Braun Breaker is just too strong in this match. Too strong in this match. Braun Breaker is just too strong, and I just can't say that enough. Because eventually, Braun Breaker hits JD McDonough with a spear! Spear! Huge spear! And Braun Breaker looks like he's like gonna finish it. He feels it. It's over. And it's true, uh, JD is pretty much out on his feet, or, you know, so to speak. Um, so Braun Breaker gives the sign of breaking bones. I'm going to break you in two like a soul. And he does. But he turns around and it's JD McDonough standing on his feet. You know, he's like egging on Braun Breaker. That's right. This is fun for me. I'm having a lot of fun getting my ass kicked. Look at this. This is not a blood capsule. It's actually real blood on my teeth. Apparently, last, last time uh, I heard uh, he had a JD did a blood capsule thing. I'm pretty sure it's another blood capsule. Um, so, basically, JD stands up and uh, puts his arms out. Jesus Christ pose! And says, come get some! And Braun Breaker does. Now, I thought this was going to happen. JD was going to use Braun Breaker's anger and, uh, and uh, you know, quick to judge and uh, act against him. Uh, maybe reverse the spear. So he goes in for a spear and he hits the spear. JD did not reverse the spear. And then, okay, JD could be doing something else. Maybe he's something else in his mind. Maybe he loves the pain. Uh, he probably can work through this pain. And then a brawn breaker lifts JD off the ground, right in the air, a press slam. He gets him right into a press. And I'm thinking, JD, he's, in the, he's being pressed right now. Well, he can, he can do something to reverse this, maybe a backslide or something. JD's very intelligent, and he likes the pain, so he, can, this be, can JD turn it around here? But no. Braun Breaker turns that press into a slam, a power, super power slam, drives JD directly through the mat and getting to one, two, three. So I've got to say, that was the match. And it was a great match. Straight up, JD McDonough was... Uh, and one of my favorites, Braun Breaker. He's a champion for a reason. He is a great worker and uh, he's uh, physically intimidating. He is a powerhouse and he can work really well. So now, while Braun Breaker is celebrating this huge match, oh my goodness, coming in to challenge Braun Breaker and his greatness is the new NXT UK champion. That's right. It's... Tyler Bates, which is very funny because NXT has just started the tournament, has started their tournament uh, like five days ago from this match. Theoretically, five days ago. So their first day of this tournament has already ended and with the first bracket finished. So in the first bracket was uh, Oliver Carter beating uh, Charlie Dempsey, Trent Seven beating uh, Wolfgang. Now the second bracket is supposed to be coming up uh, this week. It should be in this podcast coming up. Um, and it's going to be uh, Tyler Bates versus Kenny Williams. Well, I guess you know who's going to win that. Um, what's that? Uh, Joe Coffey versus Mark Andrews. So I guess we know who wins the whole tournament. Really? That's, uh, that's nice. Uh, hey, hey, here's a heads up. <laughs> that was really strange. So uh, 
I now know the future of the NXT UK Championship. Gold! And it doesn't look good. So this tells me one thing. Either A, NXT UK, NXT 2.0 are merging to one NXT. Or there's just, uh, yeah, yeah, it's one NXT, NXT, and they're just going to fly back and forth. That'd be his, uh, that's why I personally think it's going to be. Eventually, it's going to be one unified NXT. So, and with that said, that also wraps it up for another episode of the NXT 2.0 for this week. But fear not, listener, stay tuned for our coverage for the NXT UK. That's right, even though we know what's going to happen, kind of. <laughs> right after this short announcement. Hey, listener, it's Lip Hazlywood here with a quick reminder that the wrestling show posts videos every now and then onto YouTube. So if you would like to check out a the wrestling show video, check out the show on YouTube today. And now back to the show. The wrestling show, oh, 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 baby. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live uh, from the BT Sports Studios from way across the pond in London, it's the NXT UK. Air date, August 18th, 2022. Let's go. Well, Bo. Welcome back, listener, to the wrestling show. I'm the Paisleywood, and we're going to start with a very cynical review slash look back at the latest episode of the NXT UK. But before we get a kraken, we first recognize the non-competitors. First, representing the authority figure, Johnny Saint. But actually, the real face is Sid Scala. Next, the commentary crew. The play-by-play guys, the hosts. Some might even call them the narrators of the show, like moi. They are the team of Andy Shepard and Nigel McGuinness, two of my faves in the olive commentary in wrestling. Now, without any further kudos, let's get tucked in and get on with the show. Now, this show starts really big, but it's also telling um, what happened in the show. It starts, okay. There's a lot of telltale things, you know, that uh, I always thought that this was pre-recorded and then uh, shown later on after it's been a heavy edited, you know, after a couple of things. But now it's, uh, for sure, this is it. Um, they have it, the first round, the first round of the uh, NXT UK Championship Tournament. Um, the bracket two is fighting this week. Last week was bracket one. But however, the past episode of NXT 2.0 happened two days ago uh, from this show, theoretically, when this show aired. And it was at the end of the show. Um, no, it was uh, NXT's uh, beach break, or should I say, yeah, heat wave, I should say, heat wave, uh, NXT's heat wave. And it was uh, at heat wave, Tyler Bates going toe-to-toe against NXT 2.0's champion, Braun Breaker. That's right. But... Tyler Bates was carrying something extra. Carrying the NXT UK Championship. Gold! That's right. He was representing. And he and right now, as of now, uh, 
starting the whole day in the NXT UK, um, he hasn't officially fought his first round yet. And they've already showcased, showed their hands that, yeah, things are happening in the NXT UK. And it's true, there is a lot of things happening in NXT UK. They are coming to an end. That's right. Or they already have come to an end. They just uh, recorded their last matches. So they still have shows they're going to air, but it's already been done. So apparently, NXT UK is shutting its doors. Shutting its doors. But I think all the wrestlers are just fine. They'll be fine. Um, I think they're going to all, no, I'm sure, they will all be joining the new NXT Europe. That's right. It's going to be, I love NXT UK. Um, some of the best wrestlings in the wrestling world. Um, one of the best uh, federations. I think they're the best. Um, now, with them expanding to the whole Europe, I think this is going to be great. Great. I can't wait. But as for now, we carry on with uh, the pre-match, the pre-recorded matches. And uh, we start off with uh, a Joe Coffey from Gallus versus a Mark Andrews of the subculture. Now, I'm not sure their subculture really doesn't exist anymore because Danny Luna and uh, Flash Morgan Webster no longer work for the company. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. I learned about this the other day. Now, with some sad news, we need to be, we needed to laugh. And this match definitely brought the laughs. It was, uh, although it was very competitive, but it did have uh, some very laugh out loud moments where Joe Coffey, I kid you not, has a new signature move. Um, it's like, uh, like Rey Mysterio when he does his uh, uh, front face dive slide and he goes to the outside, either turns to a splash offensive and, uh, or uh, just basic uh, front face bump as a, you know, um, a move where he gets thrown out there. Regardless, this is Joe Coffey's signature move where it was uh, Mark Andrews. He seems to get the slip and gets uh, tosses Mark Coffey out the ring. But Mark Coffey doesn't go out the ring normally, no. He slides out, he slides out from underneath the bottom rope on his back, head first, and then when he ta- teeters out of the ring, like if you throw a log out, like a slide a stick out of the ring, you know, lengthwise, and it tips out, tips downwards, and he just tipped down like a teeter tot, like a teeter totter, like a seesaw, and then his feet catch the ropes. Now, any normal person or uh, do you have with ankles and ankle uh, joints, they would, uh, their feet will flop downwards, go straight, and then you'll flaw, fall out like a normal human being. But apparently, Joe Coffey does not have certain uh, joints in his legs. That's right. So he's just stuck there. It was hilarious. <laughs> I'm not sure what this move was. Maybe, I don't know, and he's doing this weird setups. Like, you know, I've been doing this, uh, this new move here. Uh, when I'm at, I bet he's been doing that when he's at the, uh, um, studios, the, uh, what's that, the, uh, yeah, the PT Sports Studios earlier, and he wants to do some crunches. He goes upside down and hooks his feet onto the ropes and he starts doing some crunches. This is bigger where the move came from. You know, it's great for fitness, but for as a wrestling match, it is nonsensical, but hilarious. Okay, so regardless, me dropping this whole thing and going on with the match, um, even though we all know who's going to win this tournament, Tyler Bates, yes, you know, the NXT 2.0 thing, um, okay, so to wrap up this match, it was fun because Mark Andrews is a smaller competitor, but Mark Andrews always gets his work in and uh, it always makes it competitive. But like I say, back to the end sequence where, uh, wow, Joe Coffey shows exactly why it's great that the uh, NXT UK has a lot of time to edit 
and get proper angles with their cameras before they show it live to tape. Um, so Joe Coffey goes with a, a, uh, a like the diving thing. He, he jumps, he goes, flies through the air with a, what you think would be a, uh, a forearm tackle. But what you don't know, what you don't see is uh, the last minute. He's, he doesn't get enough room, doesn't get enough distance on it. He basically falls, drops onto his face, smashes Mark Andrews' shoulder. But Mark Andrews, a constant professional, he knows that's not supposed to happen. He flies through the air and smashes that turnbuckles and then gets ready for the finishing move. It's uh, Joe Coffey with a discus clothesline. That's right. Natalia uses a discus clothesline. Never once got her victory. But this is different. This is Joe Coffey. And then he gets a big victory over subcultures Mark Andrews and eventually will lose against Tyler Bates because we know already that Tyler Bates is the NXT UK champion. And, of course, we see here that uh, Joe Coffey using in uh, NXT UK the old uh, point at the eye. At least he's pointing at the head right now, but the UK is pointing at the eye like uh, he thinks he's Teoman. Mm-hmm. Now, he might have always been pointing at the head, like, it's my brain! But I think uh, Teoman, if it's, it's, it's Teoman's thing. They don't care who says I'm wrong. In my mind, I'm correct. Okay, so yeah, Joe Coffey moves on, and uh, eventually he's going to lose to Tyler Bates. And that's going to happen in another week. And now, next up, is going to be win the women's division. It's the French Hope Amale versus... Mm-hmm. Nina Samuels. Now, I thought, I always think, Nina, Nina said, yeah, I always think in Nina Samuels, there's a lot of potential within Nina Samuels. But she lacks commitment to the wrestling art. You know, uh, uh, she doesn't go all in. She just doesn't with her gimmick. I mean, uh, she does this interview show, which she does half-ass. If she what does, she, she commits to this ridiculous interview angle. She can really make uh, herself, a, you know, a household name. She could be really, but regardless, she's got a lot of potential. If you don't tap the potential, it's just, it's nothing. It's nothing. Now, this match is a lot of fun. Nina Samuels does show some uh, the typical women's NXT um, style of wrestling. The uh, grinding NXT, uh, the British strong style. The uh, grinding, stuff like that. She did pretty good with it. Not bad. Not the worst. Um... Now, I'm not sure what's going on, but near the end of the match, the end sequence was uh, apparently Nina Samuels charges in towards the uh, turnbuckles, towards Amale. Amale, I think, attempting the drop toe hold, a drop toe hold. Um, uh, but you can totally tell that Amale has never attempted a drop toe hold before in her entire life. Because uh, what would appear to be a phantom, a phantom drop toe. Uh, because uh, if you were to look at uh, Nina Samuels, she did not get tripped by anything but her own feet. That's true. It, it it's, was ridiculous. Um, yeah, Molly, what is she doing? She just falls on the ground, really. It's like, did she drop kick her legs? Or is it a drop toe hold? Because either one failed. If it was a drop toe hold, failed even worse than if she looked like she drop kicked the legs. But yeah, Nina Samuels takes a header into the turnbuckles and then drops to the corner. And then Amale with the uh, running face wash kick on a bottom turnbuckle. And finishing off with the hope breaker, 
which is basically, no, which not basically, which is a spine buster, a spine buster finisher. Mm-hmm. That's right. Just a spine buster. And Amale goes on to victory. Um, now, to no special note to Amale's finishing uh, her matchbook cover, I would say this is a 10 out of 10 matchbook. She uh, totally posts her up and she grabs uh, Nino Samuel's wrists, puts her behind her, uh, beside her ears, and then she pushes down. Perfect. Textbook. This should be a textbook style matchbook pin by Amale. You got to say something good about a match, it's the pin. Okay, so now we go on to a, a wonderful tag team match representing Chase University. Chase U, I should say. I guess it's wrong, politically incorrect to call it a university. Chase U. And uh, escorting Chase U to the ring is their girl, the most charismatic woman in all of wrestling. And not just woman, the most charismatic person in all of wrestling. It's Thea Hale. And she's accompanying, I guess, the... Uh, the teacher, Chase, Andre Chase, and his number one student, um, Bod He Hayward. Now, Bod He, I gotta say, um, he reminds me of a uh, Billy Gunn. That's right, he reminds me of a Billy Gunn. Um, he looks like Billy Gunn, except with longer hair. But yeah, he reminds me of Billy Gunn, his build and everything. And perhaps even his wrestling style. Mm hmm, it's true, it's true. So who are they fighting? Well, last week uh, we had Eddie Dennis coming into the Chase U class and then uh, bothering, uh, you know, Andre Chase about something and he was get, told to get a protege. I thought he was just trying to teach his protege, uh, which is protege is Saxon Huxley, Saxton Huxley. So this is a tag team match. It's uh, Eddie Dennis now tag team with Saxon Huxley. Then there's no montages at all about uh, Eddie Dennis trying to teach Saxon Huxley the finer arts of, uh, you know, sophistication. Nope. They skipped through that. Besides, uh, they already did that. Um, Saxon Huxton, Saxon Huxley had his uh, sophistication things with, uh, you know, uh, a kid. And Dennis, Eddie Dennis had his uh, little teaching thing with uh, the, uh, you know, symbiosis. That's true. That's the past. So right now it's a tag team match. It was fun. It was weird. Um, now a moment where there was going to be some cheating. Andre Chase hits the ropes, was about to hit the ropes, where Eddie Dennis was about to meet him with a big knee lift to the back of the, the mid of the back when he turned his back to uh, the ropes, to hit the ropes. Um, now, the referee clearly was seeing this happening. And when he actually realized what was going to happen, he focuses his attention onto Saxon Huxley, who was doing nothing wrong, because he realized, oh dear, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I'm really not sure what I should do. So, yeah, he turns the tension and uh, the cheat happens. Doesn't make really matter. It didn't really affect the match at all. But the fact is the referee had no clue what to do. I think if the if referee normally, you'd see what happens. Oh, he look at, he, Andre Chase gets nailed in the back. What does, should the ref do? If he did see it, he should have seen, he did see it. What should have happened. Referee, look at, uh, um, Idean Ennis and give him a few words. That happens again, you're disqualified. But the match continues. The stern words, instead of the play ignorant and, you know, stupid. Wow. That's true. Maybe they should have a new ref teacher. Mm -hmm. Someone who's never refed before in his life, but knows more than all the refs. Who I personally think I do. You know, that's what it's all about. 
It's a belief that you know a lot. It's self-confidence. Without that, what's the, what is there? What is there? <laughs> Refs, please do a better job. Okay, so the match carries on. And eventually, we got a disagreement with uh, Eddie Dennis and uh, Saxton Hoxley. The barbarian Saxton Hoxley. So Eddie Dennis blind tags himself in and uh, basically, he's the star. Eddie Dennis says... He's the star. Now, I'm pretty sure Eddie Dennis uh, lost the point of this whole thing. He's not the star. He's the teacher. He's the sensei. He's the one that's supposed to know better. But no, he thrown, he just, he didn't know what he was doing. So he says, I'm the star here. And then Sax, of course, um, Saxon Huxley, he's the more intelligent one, clearly. He jumps out the ring. He's, I've had it. You're no good teacher. You're a terrible teacher. Something like that. A terrible, yeah, just like, uh, of course, Eddie Dennis is a terrible teacher. He failed with symbiosis, you know, uh, primate and uh, T-bone. Mm-hmm. So, regardless. The ending sequence was uh, Saxon Huxley takes a, takes a walk outside while uh, Eddie Dennis gets double teamed by Bod He Hayward and... Andre Chase, and then it's a big finisher. It's the uh, the assisted flatliner. But he gets uh, Eddie Dennis on his back, back to back, and flips him up. And then it's uh, Andre Chase jumping through, jumping over and through with a flatliner, flatliner, flat flatliner. So it was fun. Chase uh, now back in NXT 2.0. Chase you, they are jobbers. But anywhere else, like you level up, and here they are. Winners as a team, but they do lose individually though, but not in NXT 2.0 or NXT UK, baby. Okay. Now, yes, uh, they finish this move off, get the big pin on uh, Eddie Dennis, and in the ring there, oh my goodness, we got ourselves a little reunion here. Eddie Dennis is trying to tell Saxon Huxley what's what, but Saxton wouldn't hear any of it. Mm-hmm. And then picks up Eddie Dennis. With a sky high, the sky high, I would say this would be a sky high uh, um, spine buster. Puts down Eddie Dennis and looks like Body Body Hayward and um, Saxon Hoxley. It's got a lot in common. At least they like to pretend they got a lot in common. Showcasing a lot in common. And then it's, of course, they're doing the chest bumps, Body and uh, um, Saxton Hoxley. And then he's going to, Saxton wanted to, Body uh, chest bump uh, Andre Chase, but no. Andre Chase with a handshake and a shake hand. So this means, did Saxon Huxley just join Chase U? Will he be joining him? Well, I mean, that's two people in the NXT UK kind of joined uh, the Chase U. But uh, um, I thought Nathan Fraser was uh, joined Chase U, but apparently he's not doing anything with Chase U in the last couple of weeks. So now with that, we go on to round one, second bracket, the second match of the second bracket, which is uh, Tyler Bate versus Kenny Williams, the cockroach Kenny Williams. I gotta say, Kenny Williams is one of my favorite wrestlers. He's got a great mind for wrestling. He's got a, he's, there's matches where Kenny Williams just showcase how great he is. He, there's greatness in Kenny Williams. I think uh, um, one day Kenny Williams should have his own uh, organization, his own, uh, you know, be the head of his own uh, um, faction. Because he's, I think he can be a, he's, a, he's got good leadership materials, good leadership qualities in Kenny Williams. 
Okay, so now we know what's going to happen. Kenny Williams versus Tyler Bates in the second uh, bracket of uh, round one. That's right, to finish it off. Now, it was sad to know that Tyler Bates was already going to win. So I gave it a chance. I just watch it. Just have fun. See how it goes. And this match was match of the night. This was a great match. A great, great match. They took the outside of the ring and uh, Tyler Bates almost um, does a front bump onto his head. It was incredible. It was a lot of fun. Tyler Bates now, or should I say Tyler Bate. Um, I usually make fun of him. But when it comes down to hard brass tacks, Tyler Bates is a great wrestler. Um, he's got uh, great cardio. Um, he can work really well with anybody in that ring. He, um, he says, uh, Mike's skills are really good. Not great, but they're really good. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Tyler Bate is, uh, I guess he's a deserving champion, a new champion of uh, the two-time NXT UK champion. So let's go on with this match here for the, the uh, championship tournament. Now, here we go. Tyler Bates, his finishing move, his finish move, uh, Tyler Bates, uh, that uh, he sets up with the springboard. He jumps head first into the ropes, catching himself on his neck, uh, behind his neck and his arms. It, his neck is above his neck and his shoulders um, pretty much stop him from uh, disa absolute disaster. Um, so, yeah, this is a very highly skilled move and really you got to know what you're doing with this move. Otherwise, you can get hurt bad. So this shows Tyler Bates' skill level in that ring with this, his finishing move, which is uh, not, I would say, very few people can actually do all the time. So, yeah. Tyler Bates comes up through with the springboards off his head and shoulders or shoulder and neck off the you know, top rope. <sighs> dangerous, dangerous move. Um, but beautiful. Then... Bounces off, lands on his feet, does a good pirouette, pure, and then with a whammo, clotheslines the living hell out of uh, Kenny Williams. That's right. Uh, this this clothesline just makes uh, um, you know uh, Joe Coffey's clothesline looks pretty pretty uh, lame, pretty lame. And then to finish him off, because that clothesline was not the finishing move. No, 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 no. It finished him off with the, uh, they call him the Tyler Driver, but it really is just a power a bomb, a standard, a power bomb. Regardless of how he gets him up there in the first place, I think it's a, a double underhook to get him up in a power bomb, but it really, it just ends up in a power bomb. And Tyler Bates, um, with a matchable cover, and Tyler's chin directly into the sphincter, directly making contact with Kenny Williams' sphincter. sphincter. It was uh, very weird, but Tyler Bates made sure that Kelly Williams, there's no question that Kenny Williams' shoulders were pinned onto those canvas. And with a solid win, of course, Tyler Bates wins. Tyler Bates wins, goes on. So all I know is, is Tyler Bates going to win the whole thing, so clearly he's going to beat Joe Coffey. And uh, what about Oliver Carter? And uh, Trent Seven, who's going to fight next week? I'm not sure, but I'm sure... Well, I'm pretty sure, actually. Don't say why I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure it's going to be Trent Seven going to go beat Oliver Carter. And at the finals, it's going to be uh, Trent Seven versus Tyler Bates, which I call it the Battle of the Two Thors. That's right, the Two Thors. Mm -hmm. 
So that's going to be big, and we all know who's going to win. We all know who's going to win. And, but, I think next week's going to be a big thing. Um, it's going to be for the Heritage Cup Championship itself. It's uh, Mark Coffey versus Noam Dar. Now, I think Mark Coffey, he's uh, very amateur. He's, he seems very, uh, he's, no matter how long he's in there, he feels very green in the ring. While Noam Dar, I think he's uh, next level a superstar. Only thing he's holding back is his uh, physical stature, size. But uh, I think he's next level intelligent. His uh, cardio is next level. His uh, wrestling mind is, uh, he's one of the best, period. Um, so I think Norm Dar should redeem himself and get the big victory in this match. But that wraps it up for this week's episode of NXT UK. But uh, fear not, uh, listener. Stay tuned for our coverage of SmackDown right after this, a short break. Oui. Ah, signore, I've been expecting you. Oh, thanks for seeing me with such short notice, stupendous. Uh, don't be silly, signore Alaswepo. You're welcome over any time here. No, with that said, uh, it's been a while. I mean, how rude of me. What brings you about? Uh, hey, uh, stupendous. Uh, well, Chapeau asked me to come over here to pick up those, well, you know, those spare turnbuckles you have in storage there. You know, Signore Alaswipo, it is very hard to understand you when you're wearing a gas mask. Here, let me help you with that. Oh, no. No, the smell. I mean, uh, sorry, stupendous. Uh, but I've been avoiding coming around here because, you know, because... Because my body naturally admits random bursts of exhausts. Uh, people seem to be put off with my explosive perfume. But check it out, Signore L.S. Wipo. I've been medicated on Windex. It's been a few months now. Check out the difference. Uh, hmm, wow. Yes, that's absolutely incredible. Uh, uh, stupendous. Your house, it doesn't smell like a toilet anymore. A dirty toilet? Now, what is that? It's, is that uh, a mole sauce? Uh, it smells like my mom's mole sauce. A dirty toilet? Well, it's a good thing I found Windex, huh? Ah, uh, sweet Jesus, stupendous. What the, what the hell was that noise? And why does it all of a sudden smell like a fresh mole sauce? It's very intense. Oh, uh, well, thanks to Windex's Whistler insert, instead of silencing my fart, this changes the fart's percussions. Now, that was my fart you heard through a kazoo filter. Do you suffer from IFSF, insus insufferably foul-smelling farts? Join the millions who say yes to life. Change your fart smells to flowers and love and leave the angry death farts behind with Windex. Windex must be used on a daily schedule for full effectiveness. Going cold turkey after extended use of Windex may cause worsening of flatulence. Lou 
wrestling show, oh, 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 baby. It's time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from Montreal, Quebec, Canada. It's Friday Night Smackdown, air date August 19th. 2022. This is the 1200th episode of SmackDown, and it is also the road to Kalash at the Castle. Let's go. Webbo. Webbo. Welcome back, listener. I'm the Paisley Wood, and this is the Wrestling Show's very cynical review slash look back at the latest episode of Friday Night Smackdown. But before we get started, a quick shout-out to the non-competitors, the glue that holds the building together now, representing the authority figure. He is Adam Pierce. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the scoops, they are Kayla Braxton and Megan Morant. Now, of course, uh... Uh, not to not to forget the commentary crew, of course. Last but certainly not least, the play-by-play guys, the hosts. Some might even call them the narrators of the show. They are longtime veteran Michael Cole and, of course, his partner Pat McAfee. Now, without further kudos, let's get on with the show. Now, this show was a very interesting one today. I've got to say, uh, it's in Canada and Quebec, be more specific. Montreal, Montreal, Quebec. Now, here's where it gets uh, very interesting. Uh, there are a lot of rules in Canada. You need to be fully vaccinated to get in Canada. I'm thinking a lot of the wrestlers have not been vaccinated. That's right, which put a kibosh in a lot of the stuff which are going to be happening in Canada. So today they've only had three, three matches and a lot of changes in the first one. Now we start off the show with a Ronda Rousey. Mm-hmm. I still call her part-time. She's here right now. I think this is going to uh, solidify the fact that Ronda's going to be out for a little bit. Uh, the other week, Ronda put her hands on an official, got suspended and fined. She paid off the fine because she's thinking rich. Um, now, she decides, she's still suspended, but she decides to show up to the show and uh, decides not to leave until Adam Pierce unsuspends her. Now, uh, I believe Pat McAfee said something very interesting. It's uh, Now, if she's suspended, why is that microphone on? It's true. Very uh, astute. And uh, really didn't, I really didn't think of that until Pat McAfee said anything. It's true. Now, here we go. Pat McAfee does eventually shows up to ringside with some, uh, some help. Some officials. Mm-hmm. And he says, listen... Uh, Rhonda, you've uh, you got to leave this ring here uh, on your own fruition. You got it on your own uh, will. Uh, uh, I don't want to send anybody in there, but I will. But you got to get out of that ring because you're suspended. And she doesn't. He, she sends in the uh, the goons, the officials in there, and uh, Rhonda kicks all three of their butts because there's three cents in there. And then Adam Pierce has got nothing left to do but uh, go in there and get his own ass kicked. No, <laughs> he didn't. Adam Pierce. Did not go in there and get his ass kicked by Ronda Rousey. He got the police. That's right. So-called, there were so-called police people, officials. Of, uh, I, uh, mm, two people that are representing the police authority figures. Go in there to take Ronda Rousey and put her in cuffs. 
That's right. So things got from bad to worse were roundy, roundy, rousy. <laughs> so Ronda Rousey, yes, of course. So for sure, she will be missing Clash of the Castle. Who knows what's going on going on with her career um, in the WWE? Uh, is she going on a vacation, longer vacation? What's going on? I don't know. But uh, as of now, um, it looks like she's on a small vacation, at least. So, big news. There's a face-to-face -face tonight with the current, that's Unified Champion, um, Roman Reigns representing the Bloodline, and it's uh, his part, his opponent for uh, Clash at the Castle would be mm -hmm, Drew McIntyre. So, showing up right now. That's right. Yes, they got to show it. It's big. Roman Reigns is here alone. Oh my goodness. What's happened? So now here we go. From that, we go to the ring with our first match. That's right. It is for uh, the Women's Tag Team Championship Tournament. Now, of course, uh, there's been some huge changes in the SmackDown side. Uh, first of all, originally supposed to be fighting was Zoe Stark and Nikita Lyons was supposed to be in there. But apparently, apparently, at the latest episode of NXT 2.0, um, Zoe Stark's was injured during the match with their match with uh, um, Mandy Rose and apparently also Nikita Lyons was not vaccinated, could not get across the border, that is for sure. So it's it, representing, taking their place, representing the mm -hmm, toxic attraction. It's Gigi Dolan and JC Jane. And of course they are fighting who... You know, Nikita and Zoe was was fight last week is uh, Natalia Bret Hart and Sonia Deville. I gotta say, I've been on Sonia's ass for a long time. Uh, now, seriously, when she opens her mouth up, she's definitely a privileged woman. Uh, she thinks she deserves a lot. Not a big fan of her personality, but however, and um, I hadn't really backed her uh, wrestling skills in that ring, but tonight she brought her skills in. Um, she was intense. She brought it. Uh, Sonia Deville was. Uh, showed up today um, she showed that she in fact can hold her own in that wrestling ring um, against uh, the uh, team of uh, Gigi and JC but in this match we had some people joining ringside that's right and inside the competition too it's uh, the team of EO Sky and uh, Dakota Kai now, they're on the Raw side, so I'm not sure why they're doing in this one here, this section, this uh, SmackDown. But they are, and they've got the tickets, and they're sitting right behind Pat McAfee and Michael Cole, and they're making a big ruckus back there. Bailey, yeah, Bailey. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to see her back and uh, making SmackDown a better place right now with her and her friends, EO and uh, Dakota. So they're watching this show. And a fight goes on there. Uh, it's, it would seem that uh, Sonya Deville was in the match for the whole match, at least for the first three quarters of the match, it was Sonya Deville carrying the team. Um, but it seemed obvious that they're trying to play on Natalia being Canadian and uh, this Canadian crowd would cheer on Natalia. Um, Natalia, wow. She really loves to be loved. She can't stand being not loved. So eventually, it's, yeah, Natalia gets the hot tag. Hot tag, which was insane. 
So people cheer. But here's the end sequence. Um, they fight outside. Sonia gets uh, thrown into the barricades right by Pat McAfee, of course. And it's Eosky, Dakota Kai, and the great Bailey, who hasn't fought yet on a return. Hopefully, we'll see her soon. It's We are. It's going to be um, um, Clash of the Castle. She's going to be a triple threat. Um, not on her own. So, I guess she's just trying to test the wheels, so to speak. Her knee, if she's ready to rock and roll. But right now, it's good to see Bailey in SmackDown. And... Uh, it's, uh, what's that? Uh, Sonya Deville gets chucked into the ring uh, barricade, like I say, and then it's, uh, she gets smashed in the face. That's right. Uh, JC Jane with a super big face kick takes out Sonya Deville for the rest of the match. Now inside the ring, it's, uh, we got ourselves Natalia and Gigi Dolan. Natalia doing a wonderful job here uh, inside the ring there uh, with a, a spinning lariat. That's right, the tornado clothesline. She does that. Uh, I believe a coffee brother does that now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Joe Coffee. Anyways, so it's Natalia with the clothesline takes down JC, uh, Gigi Dolan. But they scuffle some more. Gigi uh, uh, gets a tagged by JC Jane, a blind tag, of course. Uh, Natalia then fights uh, Gigi some more, doesn't know the tag has happened. Um... The referee, Jessica Carr, is constantly saying, the tag is made, and illegal person, tag, yep, that's not legal. But she doesn't listen to the great referee, Jessica Carr. And eventually, Natalia puts on the sharpshooter onto uh, Gigi Dolan. Really cranking hard. And JC Jane from behind goes for a schoolgirl. It's funny, too, because that... Uh, you would have thought that would have made the, uh, I don't know, sharpshoot a little bit more painful for uh, um, Gigi Dolan, but it didn't. It's with the schoolboy or the taking it in the rear. Natalia loses a match. Now, this was a very nice match. It was a 10 minutes at least, you know, 10 plus minutes. It was great. It was a really good match with a good uh, length to it. But, however, the winners of the match are Toxic Attraction. Um... Uh, Natalia's like, oh, what happened? Oh, I let my fans down. You don't... Yeah, that's right. So, regardless. Moving on will be uh, Gigi and JC. Now, it would be interesting to see. Toxic Attractions. Uh, Gigi and JC take on EO Sky and Dakota Kai at the finals and see who is truly is the top uh, three women. The uh, top team of the WWE, not, less, not alone, the NXT so, this will be fun to see uh, what's going to happen in this match because uh, Gigi and JC is an interesting, very welcome uh, change of events in this whole tag team tournament. Looking forward to that. And with that going backstage, we got ourselves a wonderful segment. Oh, it was magical. It was Sami Zayn looking, of course, again backstage, seeing uh, if Roman Reigns is back there and he wants to have a few words. But, in matter of fact, Roman Reigns himself was looking to see Sami Zayn. Mm -hmm. Sami Zayn goes into his locker. They have a talk. One-on-one sitting on the couch. This was some amazing banter. Um, some great chemistry. Sami Zayn is a, one of the greats, I gotta say. And uh, two greats working like that? Yeah, it was magic, I gotta say. Now, Roman took a little walk around a little bit. Roman's phone rings. It's, um, I believe, uh, Jay Uso. Now, 
Um, Sami Zayn was complaining to Roman Reigns about uh, Jay Uso's, uh, you know, giving Sami Zayn the uh, earful and uh, talking to him that, uh, you know, uh, he's got to work harder to be with the Usos and uh, the Roman Reigns and stuff. It was funny. But he's got a call from Jay Uso, and unfortunately, he's got some news for uh, Roman Reigns that the Usos have been held up at the border. Yes, them too. No vaccination shots, although they never said that. But that's what it is. And, of course, Roman Reigns has no uh, Usos, no bloodline with him. Who's with Roman Reigns? Why? Sami Zayn's there, and Sami Zayn has also has a five-way, fatal five-way for the uh, number one contendership for the uh, IC title, Intercontinental Championship. Now, it was great that uh, Roman Reigns, uh, with some good news, he says, you know what, the, uh, I think the IC title, Intercontinental Champ Championship, would look great in the bloodline. So, some great banter. Sami Zayn leaves because he needs to get some of his stuff together. He needs to get organized and ready for his big match where he's a huge superstar in Quebec. Quebec. Now, here we go. This is what I thought. As soon as I saw this, it's uh, Maximum Male Models. That's right. Max Dupree, Maxine, Marseille, and Mansois in the ring there. And I'm thinking, wow. This is a time-killing segment if I've ever seen one, ever. And of course, and then, what's that, the, uh, the OG3, the Hit Row come to the ring. B-Fab, Ashante, The Adonis, and Top Dalla. Now I thought, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this isn't a time-eating segment. Maybe this is going to build up to something. Maybe this is going to be a match between, like, uh, um, Marseille and uh, Mansois versus Top Dalla and Ashante. But was I ever wrong on that? But I was wholly right in the beginning. This was, in fact, a time-eating smegment on SmackDown. That's right. SmackDown with their smegments. So, it started off good because Ashante dropkicked the hell out of Mans uh, Mon uh, Mansois. And it's uh, top dollar getting rid of uh, Massé. And then it's, uh, of course, a Maxine and Maxi, um, you know. Max and Maxine leave the ring to uh, Pit Row, and they do what they do. I, I don't know. They they un, they unreleased. They uh, unfurl, I should say, uh, a song by Hit Row, and they start rapping away. And it was I gotta say, either I wasn't getting good uh, um, audio, or it was just a nasty song. It was just it was a terrible song. I gotta say, I was not a fan of that song. Um, I got us. Also, I'm saying that a lot. It's tough to see Hit Row without their leader, without the head of the uh, team. Uh, you know, Isaiah Swerve Scott. Mm -hmm. But he's doing things with his friend Keith Lee and uh, the Elite. Yep. So, here we go. Um... Uh, we go to our next match. It is a big match. It is a massive match. And in my mind, it is the match of the night. It's Sheamus versus Madcap Moss versus Happy Corbin versus Ricochet and versus Sami Zayn in a fatal five-way match for the Intercontinental Championship number one contendership for Clash at the Castle. Now, one thing was purely obvious that uh, in Quebec, Sami Zayn is almost a superhero here. He is uh, a cult favorite almost. People were cheering the living hell at Sami Zayn. Yes. It was great. Now, 
this is something that was worrying. I thought was worrying. Um, worrying. Uh, Sheamus and Madcap, like 14 seconds or 13 seconds into the match. Um, they all, well, when they started the match, they all broke off in their little groups there. Uh, um, Sheamus and uh, Madcap broke off. And they are fighting. And like I say, 13 seconds into the match, Madcap uh, takes out, wipes out himself and Sheamus over the top rope. Madcap lands upside down. But Sheamus, however, he does a full 360 and lands crushing his leg on the, his uh, um, thigh, you know, onto the um, mat apron corner and then scrapes all the way down to his upper thigh. Yeah. It didn't seem like much there. But uh, this match was two things, like I say. Sheamus' uh, um, thigh getting progressively worse, worse during the match and the love of Sami Zayn. The crowd loves him as much as I do. So you can see the progressional worsening of the leg of Sheamus while this match goes on. This match was, a I gotta say, this match was great. Match of the night. Um, everybody had their moments. It was well put together. A lot of great wrestlers in here. And uh, yeah, you can't go wrong for the second match of three. So it has to be great because uh, that's after all, they only had three matches tonight. It was, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting, of course. Now, it came to a point to me where I thought, oh my goodness, Seamus, he's like practically bleeding now out of those, uh, the scrape he got from the ring apron. And he looked like he was in rather great pain. And I thought, this, will this affect the match itself? Can Seamus carry on? Or will he be like, okay, I got an injury, maybe a tear, I don't know. But it's Seamus, and he is the Celtic a warrior. He is a legit tough guy. He is legitimate, and uh, he got back in that ring, and he continued the match like as if nothing happened to his leg, like he was perfectly normal. Sheamus, what a, he's a champ. Um, I'm not sure about uh, the uh, brawling brutes, that whole thing, I'm not sure. I mean, he, it's nothing's really it's happening with that group. There's so much potential in the brawling brutes, but yet no one really does anything. When's the last time Rich Holland fought? He fights very rarely. Um, Butch, he fights very rarely, and those two, in this, um, individually, they have some serious talent in the NXT 2.0. Butch and Rich Holland, phew, phew. but yeah, they've been very underutilized. Um, who knows? It's a new day with uh, Triple H in the main umbrella, Raw and SmackDown. So, like I say, Sheamus takes over the match. Um, Sami Zayn with uh, some amazing spots. With an amazing Tope Susi that wipes out uh, Shamey and, uh, you know, uh, Happy Corbin. Crowd goes nuts. But later on in the match, not too much later, it's a Sheamus takes out Sami Zayn. He's, there's a top rope sequence thing where they're trying to get top rope thing. Sami Zayn goes on top. He tries to get a nice move out. But he's always getting stalled because there's more than two people there. So people are, uh, you know, stalling Sami Zayn until, of course, he's met up there with Sheamus. Sheamus gets a big old white noise. Drop Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn can't continue the match. <gasps> What's going to happen? He leaves and he's uh, being aided by two referees. One being the great Jessica Carr. Oh my goodness. She's got to see how Sami Zayn's doing. Maybe I'm just looking too far into it. But I always say Sami Zayn and Jessica Carr can have a great program together. But then again, Sami Zayn with anybody is a great program. Because Sami Zayn is that damn good at anything that's involving wrestling. Inside the ring, outside the ring, Sami Zayn, Sami Zayn is... Uh, mastermind okay so regardless that in the back Sami Zayn's out right now um inside the ring oh my goodness 
Ricochet takes over. Ricochet's a great, massive talent in that ring. He's just not, he just seems to be stuck in a uh, you know, mid-card position. But Ricochet with a massive, uh, looks like a shooting star press. Beautiful. I think I've only seen one person um, do a shooting star better than uh, Ricochet. And that's uh, Andrew Everett. I think Andrew Everett's got the most picture-perfect uh, shooting star I've ever seen in my entire life. But this comes really close to that. Very beautiful. Tries to put away uh, Sheamus, but no, it does not. But eventually, oh my goodness, the big triumphant return. Sami Zayn uh, gets his shit back together, goes to the ring, and comes very close. Doing some serious damage. Him and Ricochet in a ring with Exploder Suplex setting up Ricochet in a the corner there. Uh, for a massive halluva kick, one hell of a kick. Wham! Ricochet's put down. That's right. Sami Zayn goes for the cover, but unfortunately, he gets reamed out, pulled out of the ring by Happy Corbin himself. Pulls him out. Oh, and the crowd just, oh, big spots. People really, uh, Sami Zayn really got the crowd into it. People would love to cheer for Sami Zayn, and anybody doing anything to Sami Zayn gets jeered big time. It was fantastic. So Happy Corbin goes into the ring and tries to finish off Ricochet himself because Ricochet's been uh, clearly uh, pre, um, I don't know, uh, beat up, you know, so to speak. So he, with the, try to finish him up, but of course Sheamus takes full advantage. He comes in with a huge bro kick on Happy Corbin and pinning Happy Corbin to the mat and going on to clash at the castle this time, not to fight, uh, um, of course, Roman Reigns, how ob how <laughs> how <laughs> poignant or how uh, you know perfect that uh, it was Sheamus and Drew McIntyre fighting for the right to fight Roman Reigns. Sheamus did not win that match, so now it's his uh, secondary prize, you know, his backup prize. It is, he's still going to clash at the castle, but now against Walter or should I say Gunther? That's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a, a good a good match, I think. So now we go to the, uh, I guess, uh, a memorial, a Viking Day memorial to the New Day. Um, apparently, uh, they're now all of them. All three members are officially on the uh, injured list. And Viking Raiders moving on to whatever they got to do. And I think it's one thing, two things showing off this whole uh, um, tapings here. It's one, that they're showing that they're putting the... Uh, New Day in the past, and they're calling this a, uh, yes, uh, they're calling it the, a Viking, uh, a dawn of a new Viking day. And I'm sure this is also an, addition, an audition tape. This uh, Viking day is an audition day, audition tape for, that's right, Maximum Male Models. I think they also want to be part of the team. Mace, Masse, Mansour, look out. Here come the Viking Raiders. But here, now... Enough kidding aside. Viking Raiders, one thing, giving them huge props. Um, they've been a tag team for forever, and they will be continue to be a tag team. And uh, I think that even though with all my bashing of who I think they are, called Mascara Boys, whatnot, uh, they're two big guys, and uh, they, they're committed to being a tag team. And it's tough to do this in such, uh, such an environment as WWE, so unforgiving for tag teams. And any tag team can last in a WWE environment as long as the Viking Raiders have. 
is a huge, uh, you know, notch in their belt, you know. Okay, enough with that. We go backstage with the pre-match interviews. Caleb Braxton, that's right, um, doing some pre-match interviews. And first time she does it with uh, Liv Morgan before her big match. She uh, challenged Shotzi to a uh, r road to Clash at Castle, like, like a warm-up match for Shayna Baszler today. And she thinks she'll do any. She says she'll do anything to keep that belt because everybody's gunning for the top, obviously. There's very few titles in the uh, women's division to go for. And if you want to be the best, there's very few options you got to go for. And of course, the women's championship title is the number one, especially the SmackDown one. So Liv Morgan goes to the ring and backstage again. It's Caleb Braxton with Shotzi. And Shotzi very upset over that Liv Morgan accepted the match or for making the match in the first place. And uh, Shotzi wants to make Liv Morgan pay. I knew this for a fact. This is what I think about Shotzi. Shotzi has got a lot of, uh, she's got a lot of heart in that ring there. She's got a lot of skills. Um, she's hungry. But she's also a, uh, used as a push person. So I knew right off the bat, she's the jobber here, and she's going to do the job. And that's unfortunate because uh, Shotzi's got a lot of per huge personality. When it comes to personality, Shotzi is uh, second to very few. But uh, yeah, I figured, yeah, uh, it's just a matter of time before I knew Liv Morgan was going to win this match. But how quick it's going to be? How is it going to go? And uh, I thought maybe Shotzi, she knows how to wrestle. She knows how to make a match great. But this was just barely over three minutes. This was a Liv Morgan match. Shotzi was commanding this match through the two plus minutes uh, <laughs> into the match. It was all Shotzi. Now, at last minute, last seconds, the last sequence was ridiculous. Um, Shotzi has Liv Morgan down and she's slapping her in the head, saying, uh, just verbally abusing her, talking about, uh, you know, you're not, uh, you're a phony. You're a phony, Liv Morgan. And Liv Morgan kicks her in the head. Uh, you know, she ends up, uh, ended up giving her the, uh, what's that? The code breaker, the recoil, the setup. Shotzi, and uh, now this was not a very pretty one, but Shotzi sold the living hell out of that uh, um, code breaker slash recoil. Crawling to the ropes, of course. This is the perfect time because uh, she sets herself up for the uh, oblivion. Liv Morgan's finishing move. The flatliner, rope-assisted flatliner. She runs up and sits on the ropes. And then uh, Shotzi does the rest of the work. Making sure that uh, this Oblivion looked like it was spectacular. Shotzi selling that move like she's never sold anything before in her life. No, I'm just kidding. Shotzi is a great worker. She makes other people look great, like Val Venus did in the days. And Liv Morgan. One, two, three. Like I say, just slightly over three minutes. Yep. Liv Morgan with a big victory, but, but, Liv Morgan is taken out by Shayna Baszler. Now, this is what I thought. I was thinking right off the bat, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, oh no, uh, Shayna Baszler, she gets uh, Liv Morgan set up, she's going to stomp on her leg or her arm and like really damage the arm, so to speak. And in the match that they're going to have in two weeks in Wales, uh, Cartilage, um, it's going to be uh, Liv Morgan overcoming the great odds of her arm. You know, but no, no, it wasn't. It was basically uh, Shayna Baszler putting uh, 
Liv Morgan in her place, saying that I got full control over you. I can break your arm right now, or I can break it in two weeks. So she goes for breaking her arm, but decides that, you know what? No, it's going to be two weeks, and she kicks uh, Liv Morgan aside like some garbage. So looking for like the old days from NXT. Yeah. Now, if this is the Shayna Baszler we're going to see now on, the NXT 2.0 Shayna Baszler, the old school Shayna Baszler, Shayna Baszler take no prisoners, we're going to see a, a wonderful, amazing champion in Shayna Baszler. Uh, she can, uh, worthwhile uh, person to, to be the face of SmackDown, worthy champion, uh, you know, a skillful, a skillful champion. I think Shayna Baszler, uh, she can be great. Just like she was a champion in NXT 2.0. She was a great champion then, and she'd be a great one now. But when she joined the main roster of SmackDown in Raw area, but now SmackDown, uh, she seemed to be just happy to be having a job, you know, and just uh, working, losing a lot. But, you know what? This could be a new leaf. I would like to see a new Shayna Baszler. So now we go into the ring. It is a face-to-face -face with Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre. Roman takes his time getting the belt, but uh, the, the microphone eventually he talks, and he's talked about the fact that he's not there a lot, and he's not there a lot. And I got to say, it's true. Um, because what, what, what is Roman Reigns going to talk about when he's there? Like always, he's going to say he beat them all. There's nobody left. Same old thing, same old thing. Nothing, he really has got nothing to say. So he talks about, of course, him not being there all there. All the people who's been talking to talk, chirping to chirp when he's not there, saying that uh, whomever says that they're the man in the company, they're the guy who's carrying the company, well, they are lying to you. Because truthfully, you've got to have the belt. You've got to have the goal to prove that you are the man. Otherwise, they're just words. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Roman Reigns, he just doesn't show up anymore. He should be there to, I don't know, regardless, that's just me. What the hell do I know? So eventually Drew McIntyre shows up to the ring and he, uh, he doesn't, he talks to his face. He says some serious truths about you don't deserve to be the champ. Now, because you're never here, uh, you don't represent, you don't work, uh, you're holding the belt hostage, whatnot. He just about all this stuff he had in his heart too, Roman Reigns, right then and there. And he told him the truth, what he thought. You're not God mode. You're not, you're just a man. The bloodline as a team, as a whole, is on God mode. Mm -hmm. Fighting words and fighting they did. They start beating each other up. Drew McIntyre gets the upper hand, going for a, a massive Claymore kick. And just like last week against the, uh, you know, Usos. That's right. Um, Sami Zayn comes in again, pushes Roman Reigns out of the way and gets kicked for his troubles. Gets Claymore in the face, Sami Zayn. It is tough for a tough life for Sami, trying to be a member of the good, upstanding member of the bloodline. Now with that, um, Roman Reigns took full advantage and with the massive Superman punch, knocked Drew McIntyre in his ass. Now gave a little respect and kudos to uh, Sami Zayn to set up for his massive spear. But a poor, unfortunately, like. Last week, when Sami Zayn, um, when, uh, no, Kevin Owens took out Drew McIntyre with the, uh, with the uh, stunner. And that's right. And the uh, Usos tried to get the one and done, and it took too long. This is the thing. Same situation. 
Um, although he got Superman punched to set up for the spear, but taking so long, recognizing, uh, that's right, Sami Zayn eventually gets the spear on, but the spear is met with the Claymore kick to the face. Whammo! Then it lays out Roman Reigns out there. I guess it's setting precedence. Uh, Drew McIntyre picks up the belts and then signed that who knows? At Clash of the Castle, we could have a new unified championship. Champion, I should say. I really do think, though, uh, the WWE should have a, a, the ultimate champion, but I also think SmackDown and Raw, well, I guess they kind of do have their champion. It's the uh, United States champion, and, then, and the uh, Intercontinental champions are the, uh, the SmackDown and Raw belts. New ones, I guess. They just haven't changed the names yet. But that, that ends the show. All the matches for tonight, just three matches, and uh, ended with uh, a face-to-face. But, I guess, advertised for next week, for some reason, is going to be uh, a match against Ricochet and Happy Corbin for next week, which is, I'm sure, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Ricochet is uh, a massive, massive talent. I think he's unstoppable in that ring. He is uh, just great, but... Uh, he's uh, just floundering right now. Hope to see something good. I mean, he did get the IC belt, but dropped it real, like a hot potato. Like a hot potato. Now, of course, that does wrap it up for another week of SmackDown and also concludes this episode of the podcast. Now, for all you listeners who have stuck around for the very end, know that I hold a very special place in my heart for you. So uh, join us next week for an all-new episode of The Wrestling Show. And always know, listener, that you matter. The wrestling show, oh, 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 baby.